mostly bad it's it's mostly not great you guys (laughs) actually it's it's really great because uncensored happened oh yes there's gonna be a lot to talk about there (laughs) oh my god there's so many great things to talk about uncensored 1995 and it is it is definitely uncensored and there was a king of the road match yeah in the yeah. back of a truck. Those guys could have died. Very possibly. There was there were there were helicopters. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. You have to have the chopper. Yeah. Look, the fact that <laughs> WCW spent money renting a chopper should come like even at that point in nineteen ninety five, it's it's no surprise that they went out of business. <laughs> But we're gonna we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into uncensored, and we're going to talk about that. We're gonna talk about the WWF. We're gonna talk about uh, the the cream of the crop. Uh, I think for the last uh, three months, I think Leith, you you and I can agree. Out of the last three months, probably the the best of the three promotions uh, has been ECW. Oh, by okay? far, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they I got think, they have matches and stories that all go together and make sense although we do have to we do have to fault ecw a little bit no mantar (laughs) yeah that's huge loss yeah huge loss big i mean every every promotion needs a mantar wait don't they get him at some point under Mm, a different name maybe i'm gonna have to research that again because i feel like that's a thing i feel like I feel like ECW, if they have him, if, like if they get him at some point, that's great. But he, like, I feel like ECW's version of Mantar is Hack Myers. Gotcha, yeah. And he doesn't, uh, they don't dress nearly enough like potatoes. Yeah. And <laughs> ECW, they don't. They really don't. There's just uh, not enough potato costumes. Yeah, he uh, he wrestled for ECW in '95. Is that right? Yeah. 
Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Aw, at Holiday Hell, uh, Mastino, his real name is uh, Mike Halleck, but he was being billed as Bruiser Mastino See, in I ECW. Know. I remembered uh, that. <laughs> sorry? What? What? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm whispering to myself, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We are professionals. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, no amateurs here. This is not amateur hour. This is professional wrestling times. Professional. And you know it's professional because Big Bob, Big Bubba Rogers wears a suit to the ring. So, <laughs> yeah, at Holiday Hell, uh, Bruiser Mastino, who again is Mantar, defeated El Porto Ricano in his final match for the promotion in which he was jeered with Mantar chants from the always vocal ECW audience. Very nice. Kind of, yeah, I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, it's a little mean. It's like he's yeah. trying to start over. Like, come on. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. But no, Mantar is great. So, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that, but before we uh, jump into uh, talking about all that, uh, we want to kind of you know touch base like we have been doing about what we've uh, sort of been up to. Uh, Leah, uh, you know it's it's holiday times. What have what have you been up to? All the fun holiday stuff like wrapping presents and decorating trees and oh, I'm, Excellence Professional Wrestling has a champion now. That's Christmassy, right? <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, so that was awesome. I I didn't get to go though because oh. our roads were snow and ice, and mm. I just couldn't risk it because it's a pretty far drive. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, and uh, sometimes you just got to make that choice. I mean, the thing is though, like with wrestling, it, when it comes to 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 holiday times, what you have to do is you have to hang the wrestle toe, which is, is like mistletoe, but it's actually just like like a luchador mask or something. Okay. And you just hang that over a doorway, and anytime uh, you and someone else cross under, you know, where it's hung, you have to fight. Oh. You have to wrestle. That sounds that's, like a good tradition. That's a great tradition. Like so. Instantly put somebody in a headlock. Yeah. I can see it. Just suplex them. <laughs> Into the Christmas I'm sorry, tree. We're, we're under the wrestle toe. I don't know what, what we're supposed <laughs> to do. Tradition. Uh, so okay, so you've been you've been gearing up for the holidays. Christmas seems like it's uh from from what I understand on, on you know, following you on Twitter and being friends with you and everything, Christmas seems like a like a big holiday for you. Yes. Well we do we do Christmas and then we also do Russian Christmas or Russian, Russian Orthodox Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like, like you you know that like kind of lull after the holidays are over, and you're like, oh, it's, sure. this stinks. But we, we have until, we do it December 7th, mm -hmm. or sorry, January 7th is oh, when wow. we, we celebrate Russian Christmas. Um, wow, that's... So it's like you get that like cool. little bonus of extra holiday fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm trying to just I mean... celebrate every holiday, but that that's... Those are the traditions I grew up with. Okay, so the Russian Christmas thing is is from your side of the family. Yes, yes. That's from okay. That was like my favorite holiday when I was little. I think just because it was like not like not everyone I knew celebrated it, so it was special. Sure. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, no, that, that sounds, that sounds awesome. So, I mean, if you, if you don't mind me asking, uh, you know, kind of building on talking about the holidays, Christmas, well, let's, let's get to know each other about holidays a little bit. So first, do you do, do you do eggnog at all? I have never had it. Really? Okay. Yeah, never in my entire existence have I had eggnog. Eggnog. It just <laughs> sound. It looks, it sounds, and smells gross, and I just have never tried it. <laughs> eggnog is exactly like eggnog, but it involves like more. Like you have to, you know, give yourself a noogie while you're drinking. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, so you've never done eggnog. Are Are you good at wrapping presents? Oh no. No. no, I I mean I managed to make them look halfway decent, but I don't okay. I don't go all out. I'm not one of those people that has to make it all pretty because I'm like they're just gonna rip it off. Like it okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> but I use right. I use fun wrapping paper, so I had like Zootopia and like <laughs> uh, the DC superhero girls wrapping paper. Well, okay, that's adorable. <laughs> but it's still I mean, nothing, it's still like holiday themed. Yeah, no, nothing says Christmas like a movie about furries. Hey, come on. I, like I, I did. I, I love Zootopia. That was a fun movie. Yeah. So, all right. Are, are you at least good at, like, hiding what you got, uh, you know, what you got, your gifties? For the most part, my husband always guesses, like, 99% of the time. Like, I don't okay. know how he does it. It's very annoying. But do you, do you have a good out. poker face about it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No, I just, I, I don't think he's going to guess this year because I just did, like, super random crap. But for the most part, if it was, like, a big gift, then, like, he always knew. But the, the, the little person, the little person doesn't know we get her anything. It's all from Santa. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that is, that is very much correct. Yes. That is, yeah, that is she true. she knows yeah. that, that mommy and daddy help Santa though. We help him. Oh with, yeah, I mean we help with the else... shopping and wrapping and all that stuff. So how how else is he gonna know what to get? I mean exactly. Somebody's gotta yeah. help yeah. him out. I mean, how else does he get toys everywhere? You need the parents' yeah. help. It, it's about synergy. <laughs> that's that's the real meaning of Christmas: synergy between parents and Santa. So yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's just, it's, it's fun to kind of know that. Cause I mean, I always feel like when, when you talk about like holidays, especially like, you know, the winter holidays, whether it's uh, Christmas or, or Hanukkah or what, you know, whatever uh, people celebrate, like I always feel like everybody has like that one person that's either very bad about wrapping presents, like, okay, screw it. I'm either not very good at this. Or like you said, they're just, they're just going to tear into it anyway. Right. Right. right of course. <laughs> gift bags for everybody and everybody you know if if you're that person then everybody else that you know is some kind of wizard or witch at rapping like they do all the math and they're measuring things and give them like two minutes and suddenly everything is very neatly wrapped like it was done by a machine and you're just like how do you even do this you're not you can't be human yeah, I'm lucky, like, if my husband actually wraps the gifts as opposed to just putting them in, a, like, a Target bag, yeah. <laughs> that that's pretty impressive in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, uh, we celebrate here at, 
Yvette and I, my wife and I, we celebrate what we call Crimbus. Because neither one of us is, like, religious or anything. Gotcha. So so we put our, our own twist on it. We call it Crimbus. And the whole idea is it's it's very loose because we've only, I mean, we've only been together, like, four years? Mm-hmm. Four years. So it's, it's still a very loose thing that we're, we're defining. But the whole idea is... First of all, uh, the way the way to like uh, celebrate it and you know kind of wish somebody a uh, a happy time during this period is we say Merbel Crimbus, right? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and uh, there is uh, for us we don't have we don't have Santa uh, because the uh, the idea of a of a large man just breaking and entering into your home is is somewhat unpleasant. We instead, we instead have what we call the Crimbus Goblin. Okay. And that's, that's uh, whoever's buying presents, right? And the whole idea is that you're buying presents for the other person and you're going to spend like the month or so leading up to Crimbus, like lording it over them like, ha, ah, I know what you got. Like you have to wait. I know what it is <laughs> and it's awesome. And just giving them like an incredibly hard time and teasing them about the gifts that they're going to get. Okay. And and laughing maniacally about it, so that's that's our whole deal. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, it's it's very silly, and that's kind of the idea. But uh, this year, uh, do you guys do? I mean, do you guys do a fake tree or a real tree? Oh, always fake. I've never always had a real tree. My parents are allergic, mm. so we've just never had one. So I'm like, why would I ever do that? That seems like too much work. <laughs> starting to feel like a special kid like we always got a real tree every year yeah up until up until just a couple years ago like when my parents moved Mm -hmm. they started doing uh you know we had to start doing a fake tree just kind of out of convenience because we were in the process of packing up and and everything like that and since Yvette and I have moved into the into the apartment we do we we have done a fake tree again it's kind of like an allergy thing yeah I mean it I don't know. I've just never had one. I've never dealt with one. I'm yeah, like, and it is. It is a lot of work because it's you have to, like, water it and everything. Right. And then you have to, like, get rid of it at the end. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do all that. I don't want to kill a tree just to put it in my <laughs> house for a couple, like, weeks. <laughs> I mean, but it is a pretty metal way to celebrate a holiday. <laughs> right? Uh, so, like, we've got all these sort of, like, generic ornaments that we got when we when we first bought the tree a couple years ago, but now we're kind of starting to fill it. Like, uh, uh, this year, the big thing we got was uh, was a deli bird from nice. Pokemon. Yeah, uh, because I'm, I'm very much a nerd. And today, while I was at work, I discovered something very dangerous, and that's Team Rocket, like, flash art tattoos. Okay. And I'm legit thinking about getting some of these. Oh no! <laughs> like they're really cool looking. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna send them to you on Twitter because these look really cool. All right, all right. Like I I really I I dig these. Like I'm just like as a as a big Pokemon fan. I'm just like I I might need these. <laughs> well, like, you never, you never be, know. Yeah. It could come in be, handy, I guess. This would be really cool. So there we go. I just dropped that in our in our Twitter chat for you to see. Gotcha. Like, yeah, the one the ones I would get, I would get the Jesse one, and I would get the Meowth one. Like, oh jeez. 
Yeah. And like Jesse's like that like is that like pinup style sort of? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the old like Ed Hardy old fashioned kind of tattoo art. Uh, Sailor, well, not Ed Hardy. I guess more like Sailor Jerry, yeah. kind of like that. So I, I would love to get those. I found those, uh, you know, just at work today because I was bored and I was like, I need these. <laughs> so that that was our big thing. We got we got the deli bird, and then uh, my cousin's uh, stepdaughter made us an ornament. She's she's a big part of the family. Like uh, we are, like we're we're going to be spoiling our relatives kids since we're not since we're not doing the kid thing gotcha. we're gonna be the yeah we're gonna be the cool aunt and uncle so like my sister just had a baby too so we're gonna be spoiling him this christmas or christmas i should say so it's it's a lot of fun nice yeah uh how about you do you guys get like a like a big special ornament or anything um well we usually do for the my daughter we take her to hallmark every year and let her pick oh, okay. one because that was something I always wanted when I was a kid, but, yeah. I mean, we just didn't have the money to do that. I think I have, like, one yeah. Hallmark ornament from my childhood that mm-hmm. was, like, you know, like, a big deal because, you know, the money wasn't there for that kind of stuff. Oh, sure, sure. But we try to do that with her so that, like, every year, so by the time, like, she's out on her own, she's going to have a nice collection of ornaments for her tree. That's so. Cool. And we we did get the one this year because we we've been super like Star Trek nerding it up, so we got is that, our. Is that the one uh, we talked about? Yes, yes, we did get the the Picard and Data that talks. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, my That's the thing. Like uh, Yvette and I, we uh, we spent this weekend, you know, doing Kremda stuff, and we uh, we went to the local like Hallmark store. Because uh, we we wanted to get a special ornament this year, you know, other than the deli bird, because it's our it's our first Krimbus uh, together as as man and wife. Right? right. So we wanted to get something kind of special to commemorate it, and we went to uh, Joanne's, and they were cleaned out, but we managed to find something. Got like a nice little uh, sandcastle, like it looks like a sandcastle but there's a place you can stick a photo and that's going to be nice because that we took our honeymoon in Myrtle Beach right oh, okay so we're going to use that but we stopped in at the Hallmark cuz it's it's right there too and we looked at the ornaments and they had some pretty nice ones expensive though but nice yes. and <laughs> i was kind of blown away by some of the the nerdier ornaments cuz they had they had like you mentioned the Star Trek one mhm this is great and we almost bought that too, because she's she's a real big uh, next generation nerd. We're we're a track household. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so we were we were uh, looking at that, and we also saw, they had a Beetlejuice ornament. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it's 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 Michael Keaton dressed up as Beetlejuice, and he does you know the whole line about like his qualifications and everything, and it's like that was awesome. Not the Tim Burton movie I was expecting a Christmas ornament for, <laughs> right? Like yeah, they had, they, I guess. <laughs> they they had one Nightmare Before Christmas ornament, and it's uh, lock, shock, and barrel, like in a bathtub. That's for, so weird. Yeah, An odd choice. Yeah, you know, like there are other, there are way better ways that you can make a an, a Nightmare Before Christmas ornament that would be better, but like. A, yeah, I love Beetlejuice. Not not a Christmas ornament thing, I would expect. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other cool thing I'll talk about real quick before we kind of jump into uh, into talking about wrestling. I managed to find some really cool collectibles the other day, last week. 
I found uh, Super Mario Brother the movie action figures. Oh, cool. Yeah, I got uh, I got Koopa, uh, King Koopa, in in uh, in package, and then I got a Goomba, Luigi, and Mario, all four of those guys for twenty five dollars. Nice. Yeah, which is great, because I love that movie. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's kind of jump into into wrestling, because that's actually why why we're here. Oh yeah, is, that's right. <laughs> that's that's a thing. I mean, you're you're wearing your Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, right? Yes, always. Which will be, yeah. Probably too much. I I need to change my clothes more often. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the laundry cast. <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, fun tip: listen to this while you do your laundry. That's that's fun. And it smells um, like lavender. In case you're yeah. wondering, <laughs> I'm I'm wearing a wrestling T-shirt. I'm wearing my Dead Man Inc. T-shirt. So very yeah, nice. I, I, I don't I think, think I, dressed... I own other T-shirts. I just have wrestling stuff. <laughs> it's like ninety percent of my clothing is wrestling T-shirts. See, that's that's the thing. It's it's sort of the whole like Schrodinger's wrestling fan. Like, have you ever? been wearing a wrestling t-shirt out in public and saw somebody else wearing a wrestling t-shirt and you're like i don't know are are they cool <laughs> like you kind of you, you're trying to do like mental math in your head and like make a snap judgment like i don't know is this per- is this person cool are they uh, are we gonna mark out and talk about like john cena for 15 minutes if i try to engage this person what's what's the deal right 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 oh. so Every time I've seen, like, wrestling fans or when I'm out in public and I'm wearing a wrestling shirt and somebody else is wearing a wrestling shirt, we always just give each other the, like, what's up nod. Okay. You know, back and forth. Like, yeah. Okay. We're wrestling fans. My, right. my husband actually gets too sweeted a lot. Because he wears, like, Bullet Club merch, like, everywhere. <laughs> and, like, like he'll, he'll, he'll count how many times... Like, if we go somewhere, just to see how many other Bullet Club fans there are in the area. I guess I guess he's lucky he hasn't been given a cease and desist yet. <laughs> like, I, I don't wear any Bullet Club stuff because I'm not really, like, I. it's not that I have a problem with the Bullet Club or anything. It's just I'm not, I never got super into it. I don't really know enough about the Bullet Club to be, like, a fan. Right. I have, you know? I do have one, but it's because it's Tekken. So it has, like, yeah. the, the Haihachi on the front. So I'm like, oh, I, I kind of have to have that. <laughs> like. So it's more than just Bullet Club. It's, like, Bullet Club Tekken, so. I'm a, I'm a big my fan. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tekken. My, my go-to Tekken guy is Ogre. Okay. Like whenever, whenever I would play Tekken, like our lo- one of our local arcades in uh, Lancaster had a Tekken cabinet, and I think it was like Tekken Four or something, but it had Ogre in it. And I mean, I'm I'm like nine or ten or something at this point, and I'm it's like, oh, cool, a fighting game. Oh, cool, there's this big heavy metal monster who's got like a goat head and giant devil wings, and one of his arms is a snake. <laughs> like of course I'm gonna play that guy, right? Right. <laughs> Very nice. 
And I, I did I did pretty good with with the ogre, like doing doing Tekken. Like I, I really I really like Tekken, so that's yeah. Yeah, it's probably my favorite fighting game. It's the only one that I can like kind of pick up and actually like sort of play. Like I can't pick up Street Fighter. I'll, I'll get destroyed. <laughs> I never I never really got into Street Fighter. Growing up, Mortal Kombat was was the game. Like I never had Mortal Kombat because my mom was a good mom, and she's like, if I get Mortal Kombat, you're gonna be like killing kids in the streets. But uh, my cousin had one of the Mortal Kombat games, so whenever I would go over there, we would play. And I mean, you know, at that age when you're playing something like Mortal Kombat, all you're doing is just smashing buttons. Right. Of course. Like you do- yeah, like you don't know combos or anything, you're just pressing buttons. Button mashing. Yeah. So, for me, it was always Mortal Kombat growing up, but then as I kind of, like, I don't really do a lot of fighting games anymore. Okay. Most of my time is preoccupied with Pokemon, but, like, I played I played Soul Calibur, I think, on PlayStation 3 at some point, and really liked that. And Soul Calibur is nice. It's a little bit like Tekken. Yeah. They're kind of in the same house <laughs> so to speak yeah so it's like yes. that one always is like that was always kind of like a, a secondary one because i could could kind of pick it up and play it a little bit yeah it's not it's not dissimilar i mean fighting games are are relatively unchanged they have been relatively unchanged since fighting games have been a thing and it's just there, there's different styles like i would say like like depending on like how the the combos work and stuff like that like i know like yeah. mortal kombat's kind of to me it feels really slow and sluggish mm-hmm. same with like injustice um tekken and soul calibur i'd put together and like street fighter is a little bit like uh oh my god i'm blanking sorry <laughs> guilty gear they play kind of similar to me I mean, that might yeah. not be accurate for, like, the fighting game community, but to me, that's, like, how they, they stack up. Yeah. So it's like, if you can play Tekken, you probably can play Soul Calibur. If you can play Street Fighter, you can probably play Guilty Gear, play that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. So, let's... We are here to talk about wrestling. <laughs> we, are, we are half an hour in, and we are here to talk about wrestling, you guys. <laughs> it's so... gonna happen. <laughs> It is going to happen. I promise. Keep listening, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about wrestling. So, <laughs> March of '95. Let's start with the WWF. So, what kind of stuck out to you during this time? Okay. Like, kind of watching this for this month. Bob Backlund. Okay. <laughs> Bob Backlund. He is Bob kinda, Backlund for president. He's like all over the place in March. There. Uh, where are my where are my notes? Hold on. Look, Talk. the <laughs> the the plebeians out there do not appreciate the perpicacity and professional wrestling ability of Mister Bob Backlund. He he is a phenomenal professional wrestling he he's a he's a pugilist a professional pugilist and he 
has a vivacious vocabulary. Yes. Bob Backlund does. Yeah, so it was, it was, um, he was out in a couple different things. Like, he's going to have the, the I Quit match with Brett. Right. Is coming up. And then, poor Barry Horowitz. <laughs> poor, poor Barry Horowitz. He, he just wants a shot at the title from, from Jeff Jarrett, right? And, and Jeff Jarrett, to be fair, to his credit, being the fighting champion that he is, the sporting champion that he is, was going to give Barry Horowitz a shot yes, at the Intercontinental he, title. He had the contract ready. All he had to do was sign it. Yeah. That's it. He would have had it, a it, shot. It seems like not a great contract if anybody can sign it and get a shot. That seems <laughs> like maybe there are some legal le- legal uh, loopholes. Uh, maybe maybe we need to uh, call, in, call in the WWE's lawyer. Uh, whose name I'm frantically trying to remember. Clarence something. Clarence Mason. Yeah, Clarence Mason is is who we need to bring in to maybe look at those contracts because that's that's not a very good contractual system to have, I feel no, like. No, but I mean, it just shows the, the brilliance of Bob Backlund who was just yeah. happened to be there. He was in the audience. He was watching Brett fight Lawler. Yeah. And he seized the opportunity to steal the contract and sign it for himself. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just brilliant. Who wouldn't yeah. do that? <laughs> you, you see something you want. Sometimes you got to you got to get it's like a it's like a parking space, man. You got to you got to get in there and get it. Let somebody else get it. I mean, honestly, that was probably my my favorite part of all of Raw for 95. <laughs> so far, right? Yeah, like or for March, I should say. So, I've got I've got some notes here about March of '95. Okay. First of all, we get uh, LT and Bam Bam. That's made official. Yes. We've got a wonderful match opening the card on on week one of Raw for March. Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. Yes. Yeah, that was really good. Now. For, for a lot of our, our younger listeners who, who maybe, you know, aren't, aren't familiar with some of these names, and I mean, God, I feel so old saying that. <laughs> Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog, it's sort of like watching maybe The Miz or Dolph Ziggler versus Cesaro. Like, it's, it's a great match. Yeah. It just the way Michaels was selling everything was just cracking me up, too. And, and the Bulldog... The bulldog straight up deadlifts Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I mean, straight... he, the the whole thing behind it was that, um, Royal Rumble happened. British mm-hmm. Bulldog thought he had won. He thought he eliminated Michaels. He didn't because Michaels did his little, oh, only one foot touched kind of thing. Yeah. So, this match was his way of saying, like, look how many times I can throw you over the top ropes. Like, it should have been me. <laughs> yeah. And sorry about the, the technical difficulties there, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, Shawn Michaels is straight up deadlifted by the British Bulldog out of a short arm scissors. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. 
Like that was that was pretty crazy. And then we get the WWF Fan Festival. We get like a promo for that. Oh, I wanted to go so badly. Like if I could travel back in time. <laughs> that was so cool, right? I want to go to the Step Fan into Festival. It. They are letting kids straight up into a WWE ring. I know. I'm so jealous. I'm like, why does this not exist now? <laughs> like... Yeah. And, although I feel like if the WWE ever gets around to building like a physical Hall of Fame, right? They might they might have to incorporate some of these elements. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, so they, they've got that. We get, uh, we get on that same card, there are like two matches on that whole, uh, on a whole Raw, right? Mm-hmm. The other match, the main event, Duke the Dumpster Drossy versus Steven Dunn. I have a weird note here that I don't remember why I wrote it, but it just said that Duke looks like AJ Styles. Yeah, okay. No, I can I can kind of see that. <laughs> I'm like, I can't picture it now, but apparently at the time, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, if AJ Styles and Kevin Nash had a baby. <laughs> that That's possible. So, yeah, put that image into your head, guys. <laughs> Enjoy. I'm sure fa- yeah, I'm sure fan art of that exists somewhere. It's uh, got it. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. The internet, the internet is weird, but so... <laughs> That's sick. Like, I don't understand the thinking behind having these two main eventers opening the card, and the main event of Raw that night is Duke the Dumpster Drossy versus Stephen Dunn. Well, what I think might have been the case was because that was when they had Jerry Lawler on the phone. Mm. So they couldn't have him on the phone during the, the Michaels match. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they needed like kind of a filler match because it was more the focus was on Jerry Lawler. Lawler yeah. yeah and then the other weird thing is Duke the Dumpster Drossy like wins the match okay great I mean it's it, we can call it a match but I feel like that's being very generous <laughs> like he wins the match and then he's he's doing his thing and what there's a hundred dollars in the trash yeah, because it pays to pick up trash. Yo. <laughs> and what does he do with the $100? He pockets it. Of course. I don't... <laughs> like, this is such a weird, like, one-time thing that they do. It's not like he's going around finding money in trash, like, ever again. Uh, yeah, I guess it was just... I don't know. I have no idea why they did it. I was curious where they were going with it at first, and I was like, oh, that was it? Okay, cool. Yeah, and and can we talk about Jim Cornette's suit on this episode of Raw? All right. His wardrobe looked like it was provided by Starburst. (laughs) It's this bright yellow suit, right, Mm -hmm. with a pink button-up shirt underneath, like a bright pink button-up shirt, like, he, he looks like some sort of tropical, like, tropical fruit gum-flavored salesman. <laughs> like, it's just, it's very, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you expect, though? <laughs> and I, I think the other match on that was, uh, was Bob, uh, Bob Backlund. Mm-hmm. Right? This was the third match, not the main event. This took place in between. Bob Backlund versus Buck Quartermain. 
Right. Which, I always hear Buck Quartermain's name, and I think, like, he should be, he should be in, in the Million Dollar Corporation. Like, it's just, it's a very money-sounding name. Yeah, I could see that. He sounds very fancy. Yeah. But he's, he's He's not. He's just a jobber. Yeah. He's in that, he's in that same, that same classification, that same spot on the roster as poor, poor Barry Horowitz. Aww. I was so excited. I really wanted to see him get a push. I'm like, why? Poor, poor Barry Horowitz. It's not fair. He's not a bad guy. No. He could have been somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing Horowitz, like, coming out, like, on Raw, and it's just... You hear you hear the Goldberg style chants, Horowitz, and they they got like the the sparkler fireworks as he comes out. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I would have got maybe a Horowitz shirt. Yeah, maybe maybe wearing that that would be a cool shirt design, like the Goldberg shirt, but it says Horowitz, and instead of like the the tribal barbed wire, it's like the the Star of David. There you go. That would be I would I would buy that shirt. That would be pretty would, sweet. Yeah. I mean, that would be that would be a really cool shirt. The the other weird thing we get during this time, it, during this episode especially, is we get like a WrestleMania promo. Mm-hmm. But it's also to promote like one of the special guests, one of the one of the actors from NYPD Blue, uh, Nick Totoro. Something and like it's that. Some, yeah, it's it's some kind of weird like he's he's grilling he's interrogating paul bearer and paul bearer is in a dress and i think mr fuji is there <laughs> and i i think the the implication is that the undertaker you know was the last guy that yokozuna faced but at the same time it's not really plugging like his current match with... yeah i don't <laughs> Yeah, with King Kong Bundy, and why Why does Paul Bearer need to be in a dress? <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all very, very strange. It's a l- like, l- little surreal. Yeah. I, I don't know. Some of the stuff, I'm just like, like, I kind of tune it out after a while, because I'm like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> it's like, I get it, he's going to be at WrestleMania, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> so So that was that was very very strange. Uh then we move on to like week 2. At that point we get uh you know Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow has been made official. Right. This is this is one of the the marquee matches of WrestleMania. This is one of the things they're going to build the event around, mm-hmm. right? So we get we get, uh, you know, well, Bam Bam Bigelow's gonna have the million dollar corporation in his corner, of course. Right. right? Yes. What's LT gonna do? What's he, who's he gonna have? Well, Lawrence Taylor is gonna have his all pro team. Of course. A whole bunch of other football players, including future four horsemen, Steve Mongo McMichael. Yes. Uh, and uh, the Million Dollar Corporation gets some jabs in at Lawrence Taylor and some comma has some words for uh, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael. Mm-hmm. 
then we also get uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Horowitz in the first match. Right. We get, like you mentioned, Bret Hart versus uh, Jerry Lawler. Okay, there is there's something I need to say about that one. Okay. Because okay, first of all, the whole thing behind it, like Jerry Lawler is saying Bret Hart's racist against Japanese people for some reason. Mm-hmm. I didn't follow all of that, <laughs> but it's the first time since you and I started doing the podcast, at least, that they actually had the women's champ on TV. Bull Nakano, yeah. Yes, yeah. Bull Nakano comes out, and she's back in Jerry Lawler and all that, and I'm just like, there is a women's champion. Okay. (laughs) Like, I didn't, I was wondering this whole time, I'm like, is it too soon? Like, did they not start a women's championship before this? Yeah. But it's just, they aren't on TV, like, ever. (laughs) Yeah. I don't I mean, even know who who's rest like what women wrestle for WWF at this time. Yeah, and I was I was uh, even surprised to find out that Bull Nakano held the women's title. Mm-hmm. I know I know she had some matches with uh, with Alundra Blaze, aka Medusa, right. like in the WWF, but I wasn't aware that she actually held the title. Yeah, and, and to everybody listening, like you know, we. Are, we are in a time right now where women's wrestling is getting far more recognition than than it ever has. Finally. I mean, there, yes, <laughs> which, which is great, and yeah. it's it's great that uh, we are getting such talented females on the roster like uh, uh, Ruby Riot. You know, we've got Paige has been there, but we've also got like Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. Everybody, we. We are spoiled right now, and and I want it to continue. I mean, I want it. I want it to get better for women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's gotten better. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big step up, of course. Yeah. From, I mean, I mean, obviously, like coming back to '95 when it's like the women weren't even on the show for right. how many months? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a big difference. Yeah, it, it's such a big difference, and I mean, even. Even now, again, it's it's getting better, and and really, there are so many great, talented females uh, out there wrestling, making names for themselves. You know, not just uh, in the WWE, uh, but also like on the independent circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 hoping as Yvette and I uh, continue to move forward with what we're watching through Chikara, as far as like getting through season 18 goes. Like, I hope we see uh, uh, more ladies on their roster because right now we're at the point where like the only female wrestler on the roster is Solo Darling, and she's teaming with uh, Travis Huckabee, right. which is which is cool. I like them as a team. They're they're adorable as a team, especially anytime they're tagging and Los Ice Creams is involved. But, like, uh, it, it's just, like, I want to see more female talent in Shakara because they know how to how to book female talent. Right. And and I, I suppose I should also throw out, like, the Sea Stars are still uh, a part of the roster at this point where we are. Okay. Uh, but we, we haven't watched Chikar in a while because I've kind of fallen down, like, a YouTube hole of Let's Play videos. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, it, you're right. It's, it's such a big comparison from, like, we're three months into 1995 and up until this exact... You know, the second week of 1995, I, I think you and I were in the same boat. We weren't even aware that the WWF had a woman's champion at this time. 
you wouldn't know right. it from watching. Yeah, if you start at where we started and had never seen any of it before, you wouldn't know that there were even women yeah. on the roster. <laughs> I, I think... Like, this is the first we're seeing anyone, and she didn't even have a match or anything. She's yeah. just like, like, oh, it's the women's champ. She's there with what's-his-butt. Yeah, and she's not there because she's the women's champ. No, She's there because a she's note. a Japanese talent, like, on the roster yeah. who's trying to, like, back the heels' claims. And I, I think the only possible way... To, to maybe have known is if you were consuming like everything WWF at that time like maybe if you were reading the magazines and also like watching uh, superstars or whatever it was on Saturday night at that time right of course they, they may have had some matches at that point but I'm not I can't guarantee that uh, but they maybe maybe if they didn't have matches maybe they at least got a mention maybe that would be nice maybe? something yeah so, so I, I mean, have no idea. Just, I still don't know who her competition would be at this point. If yeah, because there's still we, there. we haven't seen any other females <laughs> on the roster. Right, exactly. And, and let's talk for a minute about how Jerry the King Lawler's whole whole ploy here is Bret Hart is a racist. Yes. Guys, you remember when being racist was a bad thing? And it was like instantly the worst thing you could say about somebody? Oh, yeah. Boy, Boy, howdy, I miss those times. Yeah. Wrestling Twitter is a nightmare. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is a waking nightmare sometimes. I'm, I'm very careful about who who I let into my my little Twitter universe as far as that yeah. stuff goes, because it's, it's very hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. it's, so... It's a, but, yeah. <laughs> It's it's such a it's such a weird like story like I mean Jerry Lawler and Brett kind of have this contentious relationship we get like a video package going back like they've they hate each other especially Jerry Lawler he's mean and he insults Brett's parents and... right oh yeah I remember those those episodes <laughs> like I mean those episodes are fun watching because it's just like guys like Jerry Lawler and Jim Cornette. Are, are perfect heels. I mean, they could not be better heels because just every every word that they articulate, it's it's like mathematically calculated to just elicit a reaction out of you. Right. Of like every every word is is just some kind of insult or or whatever. It's just kind of a, you know one slight right after the other just rapid fire and they're so amazing at it <laughs> and sometimes it's especially with with jim Cornette and jerry lawler because of how quick they talk sometimes there are points where you're watching or you're listening to them and and it's like you don't even catch it the first time right and then it's just like oh wait oh oh that's that's great Hey. Yeah. So it was. It was really. It was really uh, great watching uh, Jim Cornette on commentary. Uh, we then get uh, Bret Hart versus Gary Lawler in a, in a pretty solid match. Uh, they wrestle to. I think it's a no contest because of Backlund's interference. Uh, am, I, am I remembering that right? Uh, yeah. There's a count out finish. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, defeated Bret Hart by countout. Okay, yeah. so that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and I guess the other match that we get on that paper or not on that pay per view on that on that episode is the Blue Brothers versus the Head Shrinkers. I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the the Harris brothers, no, just because I mean, they're kind of known racists. Yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, we can. I mean, it wasn't like anything anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there there wasn't much to talk about that match. We're not really missing anything by not talking about it. But I don't like if we can avoid talking about the Harrises, the the better. Okay, good to know. Because yeah, I mean, they're a part of this, so they might come up. But they're just they're they're known racists. From from what I've heard. Gotcha. Uh, so then we move on to uh, week three. Of Raw. I mm-hmm. mean, at this point, uh, most of the matches for WrestleMania have been made official. Uh, we even get some promos, I think, throughout this whole month of, uh, I believe it's Salt and Peppa. Yes. We... You know, s- swooning yeah. over, swooning over uh, uh, Razor Ramon <laughs> is just oozing machismo. And we get that. We get uh, promos with Shawn Michaels and Pamela Anderson. Did we start? Is it Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Did we get any yeah. with him? I can't remember. Yep. Because I know he's there. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT, as as he was known back in the day. The the the, the girls in my my age group would have been swooning over him at this point. Oh, I, I was not a fan, <laughs> but the other girls that I knew would have been like, ah, JTT. Now, now, were there, what, what celebrity or, or what, like, what, like, famous boy or man did you have a crush on around this time? Like, was oh, there somebody? I was probably Corey Feldman. <laughs> really? Or, 95 and still on the Feldman train. I, I was a weird kid. Okay. <laughs> So I liked Corey Feldman, Ewan McGregor, and uh, Rufio. From from from, from Hook. Hook. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Th- those would have been my top three. Okay. Crushes so when Xavier Woods time. came out, like with his his Rufio. Yeah, I I that... lost it. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I I posted like all kinds of stuff on Twitter about it. <laughs> okay. So so Corey Feldman. Uh, I like that out of out of all three of those. Like I can I can see you and McGregor. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't well, know couldn't. what he was even in in '95 at this point. I, I, th- I think he, it would have been pretty early in his career. Yeah. And I I can I can even see like Rufio, but Corey Feldman's the one that kind of sticks out to me. <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, it's '95. You probably had stuff like the Goonies and and yeah, the Lost I Boys mean... on. VHS, right? Yeah, it was like all stuff that would like like pop up on TV all the time. So yeah, yeah. I was seeing tons of stuff with him, like Stand by Me and The Burbs. Sure. And... So he was like pretty much on my television like all yeah. the time. He was, <laughs> was on your radar still. <laughs> yes. Okay. Even if okay. I was behind the times in in the the Corey Love season. <laughs> Everybody's just like. Leah, that's that's so 1980 late. <laughs> no, like it, it's funny because it's just like I I had a younger sister. I had like two female cousins uh, around the same age as me, so they were they were all big like you know JTT fans, 
big in sync and backstreet boy fans so I, I i am familiar with that that area of pop culture around that time through just like osmosis so gotcha. yeah i was just i was just curious like because you, you mentioned that so i was just <laughs> so yeah jtt is going to be at wrestlemania and he's all excited uh, pamela anderson couldn't be more bored but we can't, I mean, I feel like we can't blame her, because Shawn Michaels isn't paying her no mind. Right. He's <laughs> just like, hey, look how good I look in the mirror. <laughs> Classic. So, yeah. So we get, we get that, uh, and then we move, I, I think we're in week three, we get uh, King Kong Bundy gets a, gets a squash handicap match. Of course. Right. Gotta make them look strong, as they yeah, do. Yeah, we gotta we gotta make them look strong. Uh, we've uh, you know the Undertaker again at this point hasn't hasn't appeared on TV during this whole month. I, I think we talked about this last time. There was maybe talk of him uh, 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 nursing an injury at this time. Right. So they were probably trying to keep him fresh for the for the event. Uh, we also get the the main event uh, for the third week of raw is going to be the smoking guns Billy mm-hmm. and Bart defeating the it, probably the two fugliest men on the roster the heavenly bodies <laughs> i mean tom pritchard uh maybe okay maybe but jimmy delray yeah mm. yeah not not <laughs> i mean and i think that was their whole gimmick their whole shtick was like they're they're, they couldn't be more unattractive, but we're going to call them the heavenly bodies. It's a, it's an irony thing, right? Right, of course. So sure. we get that. <laughs> and then uh, we get uh, the last episode of Monday Night Raw for that month. It's just one match. Uh, I think they spend the rest of the night kind of uh, talking about promos. We get uh, all sorts of, you know, and we get this throughout the month as well, all sorts of uh, Todd Pettengill cut-ins of like, hey guys, order WrestleMania. Right, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's mostly the whole episode was just, let's talk about WrestleMania, WrestleMania, WrestleMania's coming up, did you know about WrestleMania? Yeah, and and boy howdy, does Todd Pettengill's fashion and references not age well. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I feel so bad. But guys, He's amazing. Come on now. Hey, come on. Pamela Anderson's going to be there. Schwing. <laughs> like, mm, this is this is so very 90s. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I think, Leah, throughout this whole month of, of Raw, March of 95, I think I think we do get to give some points uh, to the WWF for not having Doink, right? Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I like any any month that goes doink free. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we went doink free through the month of March. You know, I think we talked about this, like I, I think you might be in for some bad times with Doink <laughs> as we because he does wrestle for ECW, but I can't remember if that's before or after where we're at at this point. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> inescapable so but we we went doink free so that's a that's a plus Um, Um, we we do we do have to dock points because as we mentioned no mantar right Uh, so that's that's the wwf 
Uh, and you know, we, Leith and I have talked about this and we're going to, we're going to hammer out the logistics, not, not on the show or anything, but we are going to do a, uh, a watching of WrestleMania as one of our, one of our next episodes, folks, uh, where we're going to sit and watch WrestleMania and riff on it, uh, uh, riff on it, MST 3k style. And, Although less and, funny. It's going to be way yeah. less funny. It'll probably be less <laughs> Keep funny. Keep your expectations low. <laughs> yeah. So that way you can be impressed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, look, it, it'll definitely be more entertaining than, than a Barry Horowitz match, probably. So. Aw, poor Barry. <laughs> <laughs> He's Barry getting picked Horowitz. on. <laughs> it makes us sad. I want to I want to watch like a, a Puma Man style movie with Barry Horowitz. Puma Man? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Or like the the greatest uh, the greatest American hero, I think it was called. Yes. Yeah, I get. With Barry Horowitz, that would be Anything where he's playing some like ridiculous superhero. I just want to I want to see that. Make that happen, universe. <laughs> oh, that would, that would also be a good, like, uh, a good t-shirt. Like, the greatest American hero, right? But instead <laughs> of, like, that weird, like, logo on the front, it's, uh, you know, you do, like, like either an H or, again, like a, like a Star David for, for Horowitz. That would be great. <laughs> I have shirt ideas, you guys, and I have no way to express them. So if you're listening to this and you make shirts, hit me up. <laughs> because these are gold. I also had an idea for like a Four Horsemen Golden Girls t-shirt mashup. But I can't draw. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we need to make that happen as a shirt. Because, I mean, come on, the, the Four Horsemen, the Golden Girls, those are, those are the exact same thing. Are... They're pretty close, yeah, I can see it. Ric Flair is your Blanche. <laughs> uh, Arn Anderson is uh, is your B. Arthur. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Tully Blanchard is your Rose. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that works. Either, either Tully Blanchard is Rose or Steve Mongo McMichael is Rose. That's that's the way it's gonna shake out, and then and then Chris Benoit would be your your Sophia. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's the way that's gonna. Nah. <laughs> uh, so again, that that needs to happen as a as a shirt. So that's uh, that's the WWF, but that's gonna be one of our one of our next episodes. We're gonna sit and watch WrestleMania, and then of course we will do like an April episode after that. Uh, but uh, let's move on to ECW. So, Leith, what what stuck out to you about ECW during this month? Um, pretty much anything having to do <laughs> with, I mean, well, comparatively, yeah, <laughs> but any anything having to do with Tommy Dreamer and Raven? Yeah, that's okay. been like. That's the stuff I want to see. That's that. That's what I care about. Um, Terry Terry Funk coming back, mm-hmm. always good too. And what was and what was a pretty good swerve? Like it was it was kind of unexpected the way they did it. I mean, 
it, it's unexpected like when you and I are going back and watching like the archived footage, but I feel like the people at the event had to know because the event was called Return of the Funker. <laughs> gotcha. <I> mean, <laughs> unless they pulled like some Star Wars Blue Harvest stuff and they just gave the 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 event like a different name until like they actually put it on paper. Right, right. Uh so yeah, we get we get uh, highlights of that. I think I think you're right. I think by comparison, everything in ECW stands out as being so much better than the yes. other two promotions at this point. Yeah, it's. That, I mean, it's still. It kind of has that like indie feel where they they still can kind of get away with everything and anything yeah. that they want to do. So it's like the, I feel like they just have like a lot more freedom yeah. as well. It's it's very underground at this point, mm-hmm. and so they're able to get away with a lot a lot more controversial things. But the, it's like, I mean, even during this time, the hardcore isn't. It's not what's making it fun. The right. stories themselves are just really engaging, and and the yes. matches. I mean that. I mean that's the the key is that it's it's the booking and the storytelling that are really like, like yeah. I can still, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to see what happens. Like, it's not yeah. just what kind of match they're doing. It's the the fact that the stories all are, they're so important. Yeah, there's so much going on, and they use every minute of TV time to develop and push that. Mm-hmm. There there aren't any squash matches at this point. Yeah, I think, just... I think there was one. Because I remember, yeah. like, mentioning it. Uh, I put it in the notes somewhere, but there was, like, one sort of almost kind of squash match, and I was like, oh, this is weird, because it's ECW. So yeah. I was like, I gotta mention this. <laughs> but that yeah, was it. it. I've only seen one so far that could even be considered a squash. Yeah, we get we get so many good matches during this time. We get, we get the... I mean, the, the big thing during this time is, uh, you know, Shane Douglas, the triple threat. Yes. Right? And then, you know, at this point, uh, the giant Paul Loria and Mikey Whipwreck, their stuff is done. But Jason is still doing things. He's still kind of working behind the scenes, yeah, right? Yeah, he's like, like Dean Malenko and all that. Right. Which is, is a really weird turn of event kind of thing because we have the public enemy... Mm-hmm. And we have Sabu and Taz, and Sabu and Taz are the current champions. So, they're the current champions, and somehow Dean Malenko and and Chris Benoit get involved right. in this, and it devolves into a match between those two teams: uh, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit versus Taz and Sabu, which features probably one of the most dangerous spots in, in a wrestling match that we've seen so far through these three months. And that's Chris Benoit setting a table up in the corner mm-hmm. and power bombing Sabu through another table. Right. So we get that, and then Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko win the titles. And it's really, like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's very weird that they're the triple threat, but somehow Jason has power of attorney for them. Yeah, I... Uh, I was trying to understand it. It got very confusing to me as I was, like, following along. Because, I mean, the whole episode was all about the tag teams and trying to get this triple threat going. And it's just, like, 
I, I, I got lost. <laughs> and we get, we get some really great promo work from the public enemy. Mm-hmm. Lottie Dottie, we likes to potty. We cause a lot of trouble. We're going to hurt somebody. <laughs> I, we hit some, some really great promos from, from the public enemy. And this is where I feel like it's really kind of sad that the public enemy winds up going to WCW later because we never get that on TV with yeah. the public enemy and WCW. It, it's such a wasted opportunity because they are talented to to do the promos that they do. Right, and, and they're very, like... I don't know how to explain it properly. Like, they're very silly, but, like... Yeah. But it works. Yeah, and then, and then that makes it so much more of, like, a twist when they get serious. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Johnny! What are we gonna do? Like, it's, it's great. I love it. I'm, I'm, I am invested in Public Enemy's promo work. Uh, so we get, we get some really great promos there, and we get some highlights from tag matches with them, and we get the, the more or less introduction of the Pitbulls through Jason. Yeah, because he's, what is it, they, they have to, Public Enemy has to beat the Pitbulls in order for Jason to sign the contract to do the triple threat. Yeah. Some, something like that. <laughs> There's all yeah. kinds of weird, like, almost like tournaments and contract signings, and there's just like a lot going on this month in ECW that's a little yeah. out of the norm. So it's kind of an yeah, interesting and, month. <laughs> and the weird thing during this whole time, like during the the tag team stuff, there's that bit where the Public Enemy comes down and and Johnny Grunge, or no, it's uh. Flyboy Rock or Rock. He's in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. He's got the glasses on, and they they they're cutting the promo and everything. And then Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit come out, and they start you know beating these guys up. And at some point, it looks like it looks like Rocco gets stabbed. Right. Like he's just bleeding from the abdomen, like all over his shirt. I don't know what happened. They don't really talk about it, but I don't know. It just it. It's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It's concerning. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like if you go to an ECW show and the worst thing that happens to you is you got stabbed, I mean, count yourself lucky, right? I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, especially if New Jack was there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't, but, you know... Like if, I don't know. I just I thought that was really weird that it just it looks like he gets stabbed. Yeah, I may have to do some research on that one. See see what was up. Yeah. So we get we get that, and then we also get uh, we get some other really cool things. We get you know the other big story is during this time we have uh you know the talking about terry funk we have the escalating feud between cactus jack and the sandman yes and we get some very cool promo work between the two of them oh yeah yeah i mean cactus jack promos like good god (laughs) yeah i mean terry funk promos too and he's another one that just like 
I don't know, like, it's... I don't know how to explain it again. Like, he's very... He's one of those, like, because he's a soft talker. Yeah. But then, like, what he says is just, like, gives you, like, chills. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Terry Funk's promos, when, when he's doing this heel work, is is very unsettling. Yeah, he's very, like, like the epitome of the whole speak softly and carry a big stick kind of kind of thing. He, <laughs> he embodies that quite literally. Yes. And, and to this day. <laughs> still. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's impressive for sure. Yeah. Because it's just like, you can really like, they're very believable. Yeah. It's it's nice to see instead of it just being like almost like somebody playing a part. Like yeah. you see a lot nowadays, especially in like like WWE now. It always like it almost feels like somebody's reading a script. Yeah, or, there's, or there's just very there's trying very, to play a character. Yeah, in the in the WWE anymore, there's very little that feels improvised, that feels genuine. Yeah, there's not. Stuff's not allowed to develop as organically as it did back in the day. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I feel like that said, they're, I mean, they, they kind of had to. They, I mean, they kind of had to switch to being live performers and, and being able to, to improvise and work a crowd that way. And, you know, I mean, they were, they were in a war, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, fighting, fighting for their livelihood. So, you know, and I think we've talked about this. I think the WWE, since they don't have anything on the same level as far as competition goes currently, I mean, there are alternatives like Ring of Honor, Chikara, New Japan, uh, New Japan, uh, TNA slash Global Force if you hate yourself. Uh, you know, so there there are alternatives, but nothing that's competing at, at a direct level like like it used to be. So because of that, I feel like there's a very complacent attitude towards you know regarding that sort of like like promo work versus like what we're watching, where everything is very it feels very genuine. Some of it feels very uh, improvised and off the cuff, and, and especially with uh, with ECW and somebody like Terry Funk, there's no like he's playing a character. It's just no, that's that's just Terry Funk. Right, exactly. Like it just it feels just very organic and very like natural. Yeah, it's not not forced at all. It's not scripted at all. Like, at least, yeah. it, like, maybe he wrote a script. I don't know. But it doesn't feel like it. Like, it feels like this is pretty genuine. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of goes across the board with ECW. Like, the, yeah. the promo work from these guys is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And and I think that's something that, that gets lost a lot in, in what people remember about ECW. Is that... Yeah, it's a, the hardcore st- stands out the most in in people's minds because I mean that was the most yeah. I mean it was very different at the time and obviously like seeing people like bloodied and battered yeah. it's going to stick in your mind <laughs> but I, I think you know if, if people are, are listening to our show and, and you know following along with, with what we're watching or, or just going back and doing their own watching I think that's that's one thing that's that's surprising to stand out is is the promo work and how great it is. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. So let's uh, let's continue to talk about this. So we get the the highlights of the tag team division. We have the escalating feud between Cactus Jack and the Sandman. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, a whole with, bit with like Cactus Jack is like like he's sort of teaming with Shane Douglas, but kind of like not. And then it's it's a reluctant kind of tag. Yeah. It's like he needs assistance at this point because you know like Terry Funk and Sandman are teamed up and they have woman in their yeah. corner and he just like he needs somebody <laughs> but then you have like you know um, Dreamer like talking to him like you know you really shouldn't trust Douglas like it's not gonna mm-hmm. end well but but at this point it's like what choice does he have if like nobody else is willing to to step yeah. in yeah and and the other really neat thing is watching dreamer get involved with this and still being able to you know carry and be part of the 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 dreamer raven feud going on right like it almost like it almost feels like that that's like like the raven feud is his priority but he sees his friend in trouble, so he wants to kind of, like, step in and try to help in any way he can, but he can't, because he's got his whole thing going on with Raven. Like, it's that, that whole natural, like, vibe again. Like, it's like... My two my two hardcore dads are fighting! <laughs> what am I gonna do? <laughs> like, th- th- this shouldn't happen. Like, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I don't. I feel like we don't get a whole lot of promo work with Raven during this time, right? Not much. No, he's still pretty, pretty much broody. quiet and brooding, and he'll say yeah. like a couple little short lines every here, like every now and again. But that's about it. Yep. He's not really talking. You, you know, the really cool thing is, you know, because we're talking about Raven. The really cool thing is, I have a chance to meet him next month. Oh, that's awesome. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. There's going to be like this uh, hardcore wrestling kind of like uh, it's just like a local you know independent thing that they're doing, right? Okay. And uh, he's going to be there. I think Sapu and Shane Douglas are going to be there, and uh, there's like uh, VIP tickets with like a hardcore roundtable, so it'll be like a like a uh, convention panel or something. And uh, I'm going to try to get tickets to that. And uh, I want to get my uh, Nevermore, the Best of Raven uh, TNA DVD, signed. Okay. That was, from, that was from back when TNA was good. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm really looking forward. I mean, I'm looking forward to meeting Raven uh, the most out of, I mean, I really want to meet them all. But, like, uh, out of the most, uh, out of all of them, I'm really looking forward to meeting Raven because I, he's one of my favorite wrestlers and he's a big comic book nerd yeah yeah absolutely and he's written some comic books too so that'll be that'll be fun i'm looking forward to that and, and you have to you, like post pictures and stuff so we can all be like yeah super jealous and and who knows maybe i'll talk to him about the show that we're doing and <laughs> you know, see if he ever wants to come on if he doesn't charge to be on the podcast. I don't know how that works. I mean, I get it. I get booking somebody, but, like, I don't I don't know, you know, who all charges for that sort of thing. True. I mean, I don't know. So, they don't really advertise that stuff, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we might have some guests on here soon, so also keep an eye or an ear out for that. Uh, listeners. So we get, we get Raven and Tommy Dreamer kind of continuing, and, and again, we see sort of how the relationship is 
is between Raven and Stevie Richards at this point. It's very Stevie Richards is just a sycophant for Raven. Like he's he is the Waylon Smithers to Raven's Monty Burns. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, because Stevie Richards is so talented, I mean, he makes it work. Mm-hmm. He, he makes it work really well. So uh, we have we have a lot going on in ECW. Yeah, tons. We still haven't touched on. What What do we still have to talk about? Uh, well, we we have a new TV champ. Yo, that's right. That's right. That's kind of uh, that's a little important because that that sets up a potential turn on Jason. Yeah. Because Malenko is not too pleased. That's right. And uh, Too Cold Scorpio is now our our TV champ. Hmm. The future Flash Funk. That's then right. You have the. And the, that was a that was a great match. Right. Taz came out at some point in street clothes. It was very odd. Yeah, and I think he attacked Malenko. Too. Yes, he did. Yeah. So we get we get a lot of that going on. And I think I think we got to give a shout out to one of the signs in the last episode of uh, of ECW for that month. Somebody holding up a WCW uh, uncensored sign. They've crossed out uncensored and instead wrote unwatched. Oh. <laughs> so mean. So, I mean, we're going to get into that. We, yeah. <laughs> we, are, so, so we are definitely going to get into that. Get, getting back to some, some ECW stuff, you, you finally get Mikey Whipwreck versus Jason. Yeah. So, so that grudge match actually finally happens. And then we get... Uh, Tommy Dreamer in a gauntlet match. Oh my god, I love this. Didn't they call I it like the Gen so much. X gauntlet yeah, match? Yep, that's exactly what it was. A Gen X gauntlet match. Yeah. And Raven it's... and Richards were handcuffed to the ring post. Yeah. Right. And then So they're like they're there, but they're like can't supposedly yeah. can't move or get out. And Tommy Dreamer has to take on like everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I think Terry Funk, he's the, he comes down, clips, uh, you know, has like a big thing, you know, wire, uh, a big thing of pliers, mm-hmm. and, and snips Raven's handcuffs off. Right. And Raven promptly goes after Dreamer and wins the match. Yes. Further cementing, you know, Tommy Dreamer's curse. Like, I was mean to this kid growing up, and now I can't beat him. And then Dreamer, they, they had him, like, taken out by the EMTs and everything. Yep. Oh, it's so good, though. Like, just the, the whole concept and the fact that the grudge match was, like, that intense that, like, he wanted his hands on Raven that badly. That bad, yeah. That he would fight through all of these guys just to get, just to get to get him. Shot. Yeah. Like, you and don't see that kind of stuff nowadays. It's, like, it's so cool. Yeah. And, and... Those are the, every one of those matches was was solid, and then the main event, like the last uh, match for ECW, the main event is Sabu versus Mikey Whipwreck, who had already wrestled that night. Yeah, against Jason. Yes, <laughs> poor poor Mikey. <laughs> like, 
I mean, and it's a surprisingly good match for the fact that, like, if if I put on paper Mikey Whipwreck versus Sabu, there's there's kind of like this instant reflex expectation. Reflex expectation? That's, <laughs> that's a word I'm inventing right now. Uh, where, like, you just think that Mikey Whipwreck is just going to be this punching bag for Sabu during the whole match, but it's a really good match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Mikey's just the the perfect underdog. Like, he doesn't look like anything. He's not. He just looks like a guy they grabbed out of the audience. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't. I mean, he, he, he doesn't come across a, a wrestler at all. But then, like, yeah, he's got skill. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So it's just like he's just that perfect underdog. Yeah, it's it's this this very unexpected thing when when you're seeing a match like that going on. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this is a really good example of how how well ECW better you utilize their talents. Oh yeah. Because in any other promotion, Mikey Whipwreck just would have been a jobber if anything. Right. He never would have made it to WWF or yeah. WWE even. I don't even think he would have made it to the, the cruiserweights. <laughs> like, yeah. They would have taken one look at him and just been like, nah. Yeah. Well, and WCW had a very limited idea of what they wanted out of their cruiserweight division. Yeah. They just wanted, you know, luchadors, masked wrestlers. Right, right. I mean, you had you had uh, guys like uh, Malenko. Mm-hmm. Who, who stood out in the cruiserweight division as not being a a luchador or anything but I think for the most part I think whoever was in charge of booking the cruiserweights which might have been Bischoff at that point had had a very sort of narrow view of what they wanted and expected out of the cruiserweights mm-hmm. so you're right I, I don't think he would have uh, gotten very far no no I don't even hope he would have gotten a tryout <laughs> yeah I mean, especially, yeah. like, this era of WWF, it's, like, you're, like, smaller than, like, what, 250? You're yeah. not even gonna get looked at. Like, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they could, they probably couldn't even think of a second job to give them. <laughs> I mean... So, so we get, we get that in ECW. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't know, is there, is there more to talk about? Uh, not that I saw. I mean, that kind of hit all the major points there. Okay. I mean, the big big things is just all the all the feuds happening. I mean, the Tommy Dreamer Raven thing that was probably my favorite yeah. by far. Boy, can you imagine a Gen X Gauntlet match today? What would that even I be? Guess... Like nobody's like feuding like that. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they don't do those anymore. To, you would still, yeah, you would still have to have like Gen X wrestlers. Like the Hardys? Yeah. Is, is that That's it? it. <laughs> That's, That's all it. I got. It's, it's both Hardys. When I when I hear Gen X, I immediately think of uh, the Hardys. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. That's that's what we need. We need we need to bring back, you know, DX, but just have it be Gen X, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just woken Matt Hardy. That's it. Which, 
He's a one-man stable. <laughs> did, did you see the thing where somebody replaced the laugh track on on an episode of Big Bang Theory with Woken Matt Hardy laughter? No. Yes. Oh, my God. I, 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 I highly endorse finding that if you can find that, but somebody did that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like a Gen X gauntlet match would just... It would... It would probably get a pop, but at the same time, it would also maybe be kind of, kind of, uh, uh, kind of sad. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Everybody watching would just instantly age like 30 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's that gift from the Santa Claus where Tim Allen just, just ages a hundred years. Oh, like geez. looking at himself in the mirror, just like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> So, all right. So let's let's move on to WCW. Why we're all here? No, it's uncensored. Oh, it is. Are it's we uncensored. are we jumping to uncensored, or did you want to talk about some of the episodes? I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about since it's all squash matches. Squash matches. I mean, we do get we, we do get talk some about interesting Regal. matches. We get uh, Alex Wright beating okay. Arn Anderson. Uh, but not winning the TV title because he, he missed the time limit. Right. Uh, we get... <laughs> I'm looking at results online here, and it just says, Vader defeated, question mark, to retain the WCW United States Championship. Uh, that's like half of my notes. <laughs> yeah. It's a squash match. Uh, we do get a build-up between Bobby Eaton and Lord Steven Regal. Oh, yes. Every Lord everything Steve. everything regal forever. Well, Here's yeah. the thing, and I want to I want to know I want to know if if you picked up on this. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching uh, the first week WCW mm-hmm. Saturday Night. Okay. Uh, regal comes out. He talks about how he's looking for a tag team partner. He says one of the greatest lines, uh, one of the greatest heel promo lines I've ever heard when he's talking to Mean Chain, and he's just like, "You want to know what my New Year's resolution is?" to get up an hour earlier so I can hate you a little longer. <laughs> it's great. I know, everything he says is so good. It's, it's golden. But, like, here's where where it kind of sucked me out of it, though. And, and again, I want to know if you kind of picked up on this. You know, he's doing this, this like, taped, or, well, not taped, but, like, this interview with, with uh, Mean Gene, and... There's there's these boos coming from the crowd, but they sound very piped in. See, I didn't I didn't notice that. Okay, one thing you have to know about me is my hearing is not the best, so a okay. lot of that background noise I tend to tune out so I can actually hear what they're saying. Okay. So it's kind of like a natural know. ability. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. To know. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah, I watch everything with closed captioning on, too, so... Oh, okay. I usually end up, like, reading half of this stuff. So some of, like, the... if The chants and stuff I tend to miss. Because uh, I'm okay. focusing on what they're actually, like, saying. Or trying to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird, and it's not the first time it happens. It kind of happens throughout the month where, where somebody will be doing, like, these pre-taped segments mm-hmm. or, or not i keep saying pre-taped but that's not the right word it's like this segment that they'll be doing with like mean gene or something and they kind of do it i think the second week of march where they're writing hogan off tv 
right? right? Uh, Bockwinkle, you know, there's this whole segment with Vader and Bockwinkle and Hogan, and he, he bans Hogan from WCW programming until uncensored. Uh, very, very convenient for Hogan, of course. But when he when he does that, the the crowd reaction is is all these boos, but they don't sound like genuine. They sound very piped in, and it's like I know I know WCW did that a lot in later years, right? Especially right. when we're talking about like Goldberg and and some of the chants and everything. But uh, it just it strikes me as odd that they're doing this, you know, kind of this early. Maybe they're just trying out their systems see if it would work i don't know it's interesting i I, I can't imagine like i don't know how it came off to people live but it it doesn't come off very well on tv the way the way the booze are kind of piped in if that's if that's the right word for it if that's what's happening and unfortunately i don't have any way of confirming this right it's, it's usually one of those like trade secrets yeah but that was that was pretty interesting to note but we do get you know regal and and bobby eaton they they wrestle to a no contest the second week and and regal's like this is the guy i'm gonna i'm gonna take this this backwoods uh hunchback man (laughs) and i'm gonna turn him into sir robert of eaton just wait I love it. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's, I mean, you have you have Bobby Eaton and William Regal going to this fancy dining restaurant, presumably in England. Right. And you know, Regal's in a suit and he's he's all decked out and Bobby Eaton looks like he's wearing what I can only describe as like Walmart mom fashion. Yeah. You, you know, like sweatpants that God only knows how dirty those are. An Eeyore t-shirt. And he's got like a pack of spokes in the sleeve. Very, very Walmart mom fashion. <laughs> it's just, it's it's great. It's such a great bit. Oh, I know. Uh, oh. Love that. You're you're gonna hear me say I love Regal like a thousand times throughout this this the show. (laughs) That's that's just living your life. (laughs) I love Regal. I I would say one of my like all time favorite wrestlers like ever. Yeah, like I, I I really love William Regal. I love his like I think it's his last WWE theme that just sounds so foreboding and ominous. I, I love me some William Regal. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we get that. Uh, Eaton is presumably filling the spot that uh, was originally going to go to uh, Jean-Paul Levesque, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. the future Triple H. And, I mean, again, I think we kind of lucked out on that, even though, I, you know, a Triple H-William Regal tag team probably would have been great in WCW. It's still probably, I mean, we still probably would have gotten some great comedy out of it. Right. Oh, decent, yeah, yeah. Decent matches out of it. Uh, so we get we get that. We get, uh, we don't really have any other big matches leading up to Uncensored, except the only thing I can think of is uh, we get 
the natural Dustin Rhodes and Johnny B. Bad uh, battling uh, pretty wonderful Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma. And and this is, again, one of those moments where it's like WCW kind of missed the mark utilizing their TV team, TV time. Like, pull the Teddy Long, man. Dustin Rhodes and Johnny B. Bad, they're going to be wrestling two other wrestlers at the pay-per-view. Why not put them in a match between, you know, Arn Anderson and and the Blacktop Bully? in a tag team match or or do something you know with that kind of combination right maybe have johnny be bad battle the blacktop bully and also uh the natural dustin Rhodes versus arn anderson why not and it's it's kind of built right there into the feud with both of those guys being managed by the greatest wrestling promoter in the world colonel robert parker right yeah and, yeah, and his just... man ming very we, we, we see Ming kind of wrestle. Yeah, he gets a squash match. It's it's. He, he kicks somebody, right? Yeah, he kicks somebody, <laughs> and that's it. That's the match. It was a good and, match. And, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of build-up for Ming versus, like, Hacksaw Jim Dugan, and there's... It's just like... I don't know. It, it, that's a really weird way to build a squash match. A kick. I guess he's just supposed to be that overly impressive. Yeah, I mean, not by no means. Don't get me wrong. Not that Ming isn't the toughest man in professional wrestling. Let's let's not mince words here. Ming is very tough. He 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 is the meanest son of a gun in professional wrestling. The the legit toughest guy. And, and folks, if you don't believe me, please, I implore you to search stories about me he straight up bit a dude's nose off that's pretty that, tough yeah that happened I wonder what would compel somebody to do that they didn't even fire Ming nobody wanted to fire him <laughs> everybody was like there was a time where they were gonna fire him and, and everybody in the back is just like I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I am not the guy to tell to tell Ming he's fired. Right. So they were just like, he's, he's just not going to be on TV anymore. Well, sending him a check is, is worth it. Let's just do that. <laughs> Let's just do that instead of, instead of putting all of our lives at risk. Oh, my goodness. Maybe so, that's why they just had him do the kick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't want to accidentally anger him. So, we get, you know, we, we build up to Uncensored, and I think that's really all we have to talk about before we actually jump into Uncensored. Right. Now, here's the thing. There, there are a couple things I think we have to talk about before we kind of jump into Uncensored. Okay. First, and I think we kind of mentioned this on... on uh, the last episode, there was a lot of huff over the level of violence in in WCW. Yes, yeah, they're, they're trying to be. It, it's kind of they're attempting to go into a sort of a PG era, yeah. which makes uncensored seem even weirder, because this is supposed to be very like PG and safe for the kids to see and all that. Yeah, but then it's like uncensored. I don't know. It was very, yeah. very odd timing. Yeah, like let me let me see here if I can 
if I can pull it up because there was something about like the violence that we talked about. Let me see here. Let me see. I'm just reading here. <laughs> Everybody loves to listen to you read to yourself. <laughs> right? Right? This is this is great radio, you guys. <laughs> Woo. I don't know. While I'm while I'm looking into this. Yes. Okay. Do you have anything to talk about? <laughs> uh, all all I know is that, I mean that that's definitely key is that we're going into uncensored, which is supposed to be kind of like almost like their answer to ECW and like ECW's rise in popularity and yeah, everybody wants blood and all these wacky matches and that kind of thing. But then they're like. But we're PG, so no actual yeah. blood, no actual violence. We can still do weird matches, but we gotta keep it tame. Like, super <laughs> tame. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre concept when you when you think about it. And we'll, we'll get more into, into that with the, especially the King of the Road match and everything that happened with that one, which is still very bizarre. But they're they're supposed to be very anti-violence, very anti like the they're not supposed to be doing like any any cutting or anything like that, yeah. And they're not supposed to be juicing. Okay. So juicing is is cutting, right? No, no. Juicing like uh using steroids. Sorry. Oh, okay. Like okay. those are all things that like WCW at this time is trying to say like we don't do we any don't of that. We don't do yeah. We don't do okay. that. Okay. None of our people do that. You're, we're good. <laughs> so this is from the February 27th, 1995 uh, Wrestling Observer. Okay. This is, this is what we were alluding to. Phil Mushnick uh, wrote a column about WCW in the New York Post, which to, I mean, to everybody, that's, that's a big thing, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's a, it's a big paper. Right. I, I would have to imagine, probably. Uh, I know things. Uh, uh, it in the New York Post last week, uh, the previous week of February of 95, and it wasn't pretty. He wrote about the sleaziness of Gene Okerlund teasing a dead world champion to get hotline calls. Yeah, uh, that was... Because, yeah, because at this point, it, it was kind of... It, it was almost implied, maybe not explicitly implied, that it was Ric Flair, and this is why they were getting all the hotline calls. Mm-hmm because people were worried about Ric Flair. Right. And made sure to repeatedly mention Ted Turner's involvement. So I think this is where the article kind of impacts what WCW is doing. Ted Turner, as, as the owner of WCW at this point, is, is the face of the organization, whether he likes it or not, whether he likes it or not in some aspect, Right. Uh, he also talked about the obvious steroid use in WCW, talked about Ho- uh, Hulk Hogan's past steroid use and lies, and more. Due to the publicity of the article and how it placed the blame at the highest level, Ted Turner, the article shook WCW to the point that they reportedly changed the finish of the Super Brawl main event. Speaking of, uh, this gets back to WCW and Super Brawl. Okay. Okay. The original plan for the match at Super Bowl was for both men to blade and the match would be stopped due to blood. Okay. And meaning, you know, because Hogan 
and Vader. Neither one of them wanted to do the job. Of course. Right. So this is a way for, for <laughs> them to, to, to get through the match and have it, uh, you know, end without either of them having to, to do the job. And this would have been a, a strong finish for both of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which would set up that this would be the lead in to the next pay per view WCW Uncensored, in which they would specifically hype that the match would not stop for blood this time. Oh. And we even we even get some of that teased in some of the the Bachwinkle uh, stuff and some of the Hulk Hogan promos, at least the early ones through this month through March, where it you know it's no blood DQ, brother. You know mm-hmm. we're not going to stop for blood. Uh, in which they would specifically hype that the match wouldn't stop for blood this time. But due to the Mushnick article and concerns over the event being too violent, they changed the finish and did the DQ finish at Super Brawl instead. Okay. So when we talk about what's happening in March of 95, I feel like this is, you know, something that impacted the way they were going to do uh the way they were going to do uncensored yeah uh, a lot definitely. of their plans and and you know we everybody wrestling fans there were a lot of screwy matches at at uncensored yeah. like just gimmicked to jesus and back i oh, mean yeah we, like we talk about and, and finishes we'll get, and just yeah total nonsense for the most part yeah we're gonna get into like super gimmick brawls like uh when we get into uh you know the or super gimmick matches when we get into the later 90s with with russo and wcw and we all we all joke and have a good time about that but like guys this has been a thing in wrestling forever vince russo probably not a not a great promoter <laughs> or or anything but He's also maybe not as responsible for all the goofy things about wrestling that you think he is. Oh, there's plenty of goof before him. Tons of goofy, ridiculous yeah. nonsense. He, he, I mean, he added quite a bit to it. <laughs> but yeah, we, we have tons, tons. I mean, this whole pay-per-view is just one yeah. ridiculous match type after another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get we get a lot of that. And let's start with the the first great the the first great match on this pay per view, the King of the Road match. Yes. So this was the Blacktop Bully, uh, Barry Darso. I don't have another name written here. I don't remember. Yeah, Barry Darso. Okay. <laughs> uh from uh he was smash in demolition yes but in wcw he's the black top bully his whole gimmick is i'm a big dirty mean trucker and and his his finisher is something to do with trucking yes uh, i don't know what it is the breaker one nine okay <laughs> come on I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if it was a known thing back then but like give him a power bomb finish and call it the trucker bomb I don't know. Kids, kids don't, <laughs> don't look up what trucker bombs are. Because they're awful. Be, be safe out on the highways. Aye, aye, aye. So, I mean, that that's what I would do if I had a trucker 
wrestler. Uh, so Barry Darso versus uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes. Yes, and the, the whole I- the there's... whole idea is Dustin is responsible for the blacktop bully getting arrested. Yes, yeah, it was his it was his fault. Yeah, that it was his blacktop fault. Blacktop bully certainly. got locked up. Yeah, certainly not the fault of the blacktop bully or anything he did. No, of course not. I mean, of that doesn't not. make any sense. <laughs> yeah. and, and Colonel Robert Parker pays to get the blacktop bully out of jail. And he wants, he wants uh, you know, the bully to, to take it out of Dustin Rhodes' high. I want you to get that money back and, and take it out of that boy's high is what I want you to do. And, and so they have the King of the Road match. Yes, and it, it's it's booked as being live but it's actually taped it was taped about a week earlier yes and they're on the back of an 18 wheeler which has a cage surrounding it and there's like hay barrels and crap inside and they're supposedly driving about 55 miles per hour down these like highways that are like out in the middle of nowhere so there's like no other cars except for their like the car with the cameraman and like all that yeah there's they're they're supposedly going 55 miles an hour from the looks of it it looks like they can't be going more than 35 right i mean wasn't there i don't know (laughs) yeah it's that's not including all the stops and turns that they're making yeah because for every one of those they have to slow down completely and and the the thing is they're starting in the back of the truck and they have to make their way sort of up you know through this cage Mm -hmm. all this hay and everything and and get to the front of the bed of the truck which for what we're talking about for reference this is up near the actual truck part and you know pull a horn to sound the horn and this is Again, WCW trying to like you like you talked about, kind of capitalizing on on ECW. But I feel like, you know, we we talked about that article and how it might have impacted this event. But I feel like even even with all the blood and everything, even if it had been included, right. I feel like this pay per view still wouldn't have been any better. No, I mean this like, this match. I feel like. It was one of those that, like, might have sounded good or looked good on paper, but in reality, it was so boring. Like, it was like, boring to watch, because it was, like, they were just bouncing back and forth in this truck bed, and it took them, like, half the match to even get anywhere near each other. <laughs> I, they shot, they shot, from what I understand, a couple hours worth of footage for this. Right. And it's, it's the first match on the card. Mm-hmm. It takes probably about 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. And and for everybody listening to this, go back and watch this event because you can't appreciate how bad this must have been to be a a part of a live crowd for a pay-per-view event. And the first match that you're watching isn't even in the ring. No, you have to like watch it on like the, the big screens there. Yeah. That's about it. Like it's it was and it was not it was not exciting. Like and, I think they w- tried, but it was just like what can you do? Like they're just Yeah. They couldn't even like walk in the, the truck bed. And and what makes 
the hardcore wrestling, and we, we talked about this, what makes the hardcore wrestling in ECW so good, the reason people are paying money and, and traveling from all over the world at this point to watch ECW is because there's a story kind of built into whatever's happening in, you know, with the, the hardcore. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that, oh man, this guy's getting thrown around and lit on fire. And all right, the, you yeah. know, that's, it, that's cool, yeah, but what makes it interesting, what makes it compelling is because the context of it is that these guys are willing to do that to each other. That's how much, that, that's how much hatred is there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the feel you get with, like, ECW. It's not, we're doing this because it's hardcore and it's cool. It's like, we want to kill each other. We hate yeah. each other. We're we're mad, like. Yeah. But this just felt weird. <laughs> I don't know. Every, everything about this event feels like they are pandering so hard to try to, to try to capture that that ECW audience mm-hmm. and with every attempt they're just kind of missing the mark like no this isn't you know you can just feel the ECW fans being like no this isn't why I watch ECW right right and then so, and then you have also with this this King of the Road matches the controversy and the fallout yeah. after the fact um if we want to are you ready to get into that let's yeah let's talk about that so they they edit this match very heavily. Yes. And, and the reason they edit this is because of the blade. So they right. shoot this match a few days and before. They were told not to blade apparently, but they decided to blade anyways. Is what I read. So here's what I understood happened, and I'm getting this from what happened when Mondays with uh, Tony Shabati and uh, Comrade Tom Conrad Thompson. Uh. I think it was uh, Dave Crockett. Okay. Was in charge of booking this match. Uh, it, it was. It, I think it was uh, Dave Crockett, if I'm understanding what I heard correctly. And all of these changes that we talked about from that article were kind of taking place during the month of March, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And even even during that time, there was somebody new put in charge of like wcw television somebody else okay okay and so i think what it was is because uh dave crockett was in charge of booking this match i don't think it was a matter of you know dustin and 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 barry you know don't blade oh we're gonna go out and blade anyway i think because i don't think they would put their their jobs in jeopardy Right. If they're if they're told explicitly not to blade and they blade anyway, I think what happened and this uh, Tony Schiavone kind of kind of talks about this is they just, they didn't get the memo. Oh, okay. You know there was just a lack of communication at that point, and, and one of the other things you know, and, and we'll kind of touch on this too. Like since we're talking about the event, we're talking about the pay per view, and we're we're kind of starting it off here. Throughout the event, you'll hear. Heenan and, and Shivani go back and forth and, well, it's uncensored. Mm-hmm. Right? And this was their way of ribbing the show. Because Shivani and Heenan knew how ridiculous it was to have an event called Uncensored 
and, and nobody's allowed to bleed. Yeah, and they well, obviously censored the crap out of it with all the editing. Yeah, the first patch on the card is so incredibly censored. <laughs> and, and this is why they had to edit around it and why you had, like, interference cuts during the match. Yeah. Which, which Shivani was, like, told over his headset to call microwave interference. Okay. And, and yeah, he talks about like how how ridiculous it is that WCW was spending money on a helicopter and everything for something like this. And it's like, yeah, that's it's kind of it's kind of a very expensive thing to do. Right, right. And, and it's such a I don't even I don't even know how they came about this whole concept. Yeah, like but I, I feel like. I feel like out of all the matches on the card, it's one of the most compelling because, like, legit, they're getting up and, and climbing this cage and everything. They could actually fall out of this truck and die, you guys. That's true. That's true. There, There's a they lot could... of risk involved, but it just... It got lost in translation, I think. Because you're watching yeah. it, you're seeing it, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. And, and the other thing of it is, too... Like, they had like, a... They even, like, kind of kept reminding you how dangerous it was during the yeah. match. Because it's just, like, it does not come across at and all. There's, and there's very little that's that's compelling about the match. Because, again, WCW was so bad about how they utilized their story time. And there was nothing going... I mean, there was very little going on. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about, like, this feud kind of starts in February when Blacktop Bully makes his return. Mm-hmm. But there's very little interaction between Dustin Rhodes and the Blacktop Bully during these two months. No, like, so it's just, like, they have to, it, it's a constant thing with WCW to kind of remind the audience what is happening. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, they forget to, like, build upon it. Like, we should know by now, but it's like, they just have, yeah. like, the, the commentators and announcers and stuff just be like, oh, in case you forgot, <laughs> this and, is and what's like, happening. Yeah, and it's like, I appreciate like the the kind of story with this match that they're trying to tell but like at the same time it's like oh great you know the blacktop bully beat dustin Rhodes in this match but you know this match was all put together kayfabe mm-hmm. through colonel parker and the blacktop bully so yeah they they beat him up but i feel like they probably spent more money putting this match together right. than they did like what was spent to get bully out of prison yeah yeah, and then it doesn't matter anyway because they're both fired. So. Yeah. So they both they both get fired, and there's a lot there's a lot of talk about that, whether, you know, they were they were fired because officials felt like they really needed to, be taught a lesson for blading when there was a strict no blading policy, or if this was you know well, yeah we're gonna say that on paper but we're really firing you as a cost cutting measure. It, it was very strange, because it's like, I mean, like, what, what what I saw was that they were fired for blading, but then, like, you know, like, the steroid use was obviously still an issue. Yeah. I mean, Hogan apparently was juicing up, like, right before Uncensored, but that's yeah. fine. That's okay. We're fine with that. But this, this blading on a pre-taped show that we, like, pre-taped match that we can edit that will get you fired. Like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So it just, it seems like there was some other reason behind it, but I don't know what that reason would have been exactly. Yeah. 
but yeah, they're they're no longer with the company. So this entire match was just utterly pointless. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, it, it, and even if it's a cost cutting measure, that's that's equally just as 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 terrible because it's like you guys put together this incredibly expensive match. Right. There's not even a title on the line. Nope. This is this it's is a, arguably, it's just a grudge match. Yeah, it's it's arguably lower mid card, right? And you're spending like twenty thousand dollars to put this match together. Like, no, I get it. I know why WCW went out of business. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a it was a mess. It was a mess. Like, can you imagine the WWE spending twenty to thirty thousand dollars on a match between? I don't know, uh, a grudge match between Elias Sampson and Baron Corbin. Right. <laughs> no title on the line or anything. Just, yeah, you guys go and fight in the back of this moving truck. Like, nobody would do that. No, no, it was very strange. Very... I, I, I kind of am curious to see what the whole story was behind all of this, because it's just, it's so weird and ridiculous. Look, drugs are, are very, they, they mess with you. <laughs> and they can make things that are a bad idea seem like a good idea. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very much, it's very much a whole uh, walk hard with Dewey Cox kind of moment. It's, it's called cocaine, and it turns all your bad feelings into good feelings. So, this was, this was, uh, as far as the matches on, on this event goes, it's, it's my favorite match, just because of how over the top and absurd it is. No, uh, I don't even know if I have a favorite, they're all pretty <laughs> Like, like, everybody who's listening, I know it sounds like we're ragging on this match, and we are a little bit, but it comes from a place of love. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> kind of like loving a really bad movie, which I love yeah. a lot of really bad movies, but they're still bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like, like we need, as wrestling fans, to sit down and have an intervention about WCW. <laughs> You guys are going out and spending money on these lower mid card matches that look, you could have put you could have just had them wrestle in the ring and put, you know, the truck horn up on a pole. Uh. Right? <laughs> right? Who knows? I mean just a regular cage match would have been fine. Yeah, you could even you could even combine those two and just have it be a cage match with something on a pole. Yes. There you go. That's <laughs> that's the match. You Done. could put like head you could put like headlights out on the cage, so it still kind of looks like a truck. <sighs> we, why are we not employed by WCW twenty years ago? Because um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna, those... I was gonna reveal my my age there for a second. I was like, nah. I'm good. <laughs> Look, they didn't, they didn't want to hire a seven year old. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I mean, I don't know. It might have been cheaper. They could have paid me in pixie sticks and chocolate for all I care. <laughs> so. I mean, you probably still would have written it better. Done, done better booking. 
somebody comes in with like this king of the road match i'm like seven and i'm sitting there just like going over this just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no this is garbage this is gonna cost too much money don't do this like, let's buy lollipops <laughs> yeah so <laughs> let's let's move on to the next match all right so you got hacksaw jim duggan versus Mang, right Oh! <laughs> With guest referee Sonny Ono? In a karate match. Yes. A martial arts match. And this match is worth watching just for the the first, like, five minutes or so of Jim Dugan just being like, I'm not bowing. Right, I'm not right. bowing to anybody. USA. And the, the like, fun thing about the, sorry, the guest referee, he's both a pro wrestler and an actor, and he was the liaison at the time for New Japan Pro. Yeah, because WCW had a had a pretty good relationship with New Japan. Right. I mean, that's where a lot of these, they're getting a lot yeah. of the talent from and stuff, too. So they kinda... The talent that's not choppers. Right. So that, that match is, uh, I believe Ming wins. Yeah, he wins. Yes. Uh, Duggan does attack him with his shoe. That yeah. happened. That right. is that is uh, mixed uh, uh, mixed martial arts. <laughs> uh, you know, the the ancient art of podiatry. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then move on to Johnny B. Bad versus Arn Anderson in a boxer versus wrestler match. Yeah. Now, Johnny B. Bad wins the match, and I think he wins the title. He, he does. Yeah, it does. <sighs> He did defeat Arn Anderson. Uh, did he win the title? What? I don't have that listed for some reason. Let me see here. He definitely won. Oh, Arn Anderson's he, did the whole... title was not on the line. Okay, because he did the whole bucket on the head thing. He like, yeah. punches him with the when well, Arn has the the spit bucket on his head. Yeah, and, and apparently. Uh, Tony Schiavone uh, lost it when this happened because Arn Anderson's nickname backstage was Old Buckethead. <laughs> so to see him actually out there with a big like metal bucket on his head, getting knocked out by by Johnny B. Bad was was something. Right, right. It, it was pretty funny. It was a good yeah. spot. I'll give him that. It, and again, it's not it's not even necessarily a bad match it's very I mean, it's, it's one of those ones that is just it's very strange it's kind of hard to yeah. to grasp what is actually happening <laughs> yeah because it's like during during the last three months i mean we're seeing johnny be bad on tv but there's there's nothing necessarily being done to like build him up as this as this boxer no i think he I came mean, out they, with like boxing gloves like once or twice yeah, they but talk a like little it. bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they talk a little bit about him being like a Golden Gloves champion, but they don't, they don't really do a whole lot with it. It's not like his gimmick is built around it necessarily, but they're not, they're not like promoting. Like he's not going out there and winning matches by like TKO or anything. Mm-hmm. So there's there's not a whole lot going on with him up until this point as like a boxer quote-unquote no just just gloves just wears them sometimes like look i got gloves i'm a boxer yeah so then we have the most uh probably the most normal match on the card Mm -hmm. uh randy savage uh the macho man versus avalanche yes 
Oh, is it normal? This is not normal. Well, <laughs> you say you say it's normal. I mean, it's it's weird because it's like one of those. We'll, we'll get we'll get there, but go ahead. <laughs> it starts out normal, normally enough. With Ric Flair, and then it ends it ends with Ric Flair and drag. That does happen. I'm not. I still am not sure why he was in drag. I'm not sure why that was necessary. Well, part of the thing is is up until this point, Ric Flair is quote unquote retired. Yeah. Right. That's why he's not actually wrestling Hogan or anything. Right. That's why he was in the crowd at Super Bowl. Yes. Because at this point, you know, Hogan beat Flair in like a, a loser has to retire match. So Flair is kayfabe retired. Mm-hmm. And so I think the thinking was, well, you know, he was in the crowd at Uncensored and everybody knew he was there. And then he came out and played a part in the main event or in uh, Super Bowl, came out and played a part there. So if we're going to hide him in the crowd this time, you know, I, I think the thinking is, well, Savage is too smart for that. You know, again, Flair was in the crowd at Super Bowl. Right. So I, think I think they just thinking... wanted to put him in a dress because I'm like they could have dressed him up like Elvis or something because they had Elvis at one of the other shows. Yeah. They they just wanted to see Flair in a dress. I mean, it's great because <laughs> we get the the backstage bit with Ric Flair like he's no longer in the dress, but he's still got like shades All, of the yeah. eyeliner on. He has so much makeup on. <laughs> and and with the shades of the eyeliner on, I mean, he's he's really pulling off this sort of like joker look mm-hmm. it, it's very like i'm just sitting there watching this and i'm just like yeah i could almost see rick flair cast as the joker at some point okay so, getting back to the match what what gets me and this is something that i see quite often especially in wcw is they'll say something like oh there's no there's no like rules it's like no holds barred or whatever it's but uncensored then macho man wins by dq yeah because apparently you can still get dq'd even if there are no rules yeah this was this was just a straight singles match it was very it was very weird because they made sure to say it at the beginning of the match that it was like no dq yeah there's no there's no rules it's uncensored but except for this part where it, it yeah ma- except for matters. this rule which but, is very much a rule yeah but only yeah. for this match. Yeah. And then <laughs> we get we get Sting mm-hmm. versus Big Bubba Rogers, and that finish was really weird. Oh, okay. My only note for this match, there's only one note, and it just says, "Big Bubba Rogers wins the longest, most boring match ever." So I just just apparently zoned out during this whole thing. It was. It's, it's. It's not necessarily a bad match. It goes a little bit longer than what it feels like it should. I, I might have been getting burnt out at this point. I'm just like, yeah. oh my god. And, and, and the thing of it is, like the finish doesn't feel like a finish. There's little to no impact from the finish because basically Sting hits. I think the Stinger Splash, and he's uh, he's been working it like you know he he hits his leg wrong during during the match like through a leapfrog mm-hmm. so the whole the whole rest of the match he's selling his leg uh bubba's working it and everything and then the finish sees sting go for like a scoop slam he can't pick rogers up completely rogers lands on him and gets the pin and it just feels like there's 
there's no impact. Right. There's no... Like, I, I have just, a oh. vague recollection of it. Like, this match is yeah. not going to be one that stands out in my mind. Like, ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we move on from that to what was, I think, by the fans at that time, voted as the best match on the card. Right, and I, I would probably agree with that. This was I fun. Mean, I mean, I don't know if I would give it to it over the King of the Road match, but... No, yeah. I would. I would. I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, Anything... Okay, because you know what? You get, you get Sensational Sherry involved, and it's great. Anything okay. she's actually, like, involved in, and, like, she was she was active in the match, she was there the whole time, she, like, she was a part of the whole scene, and I loved it. Yeah, okay. That is, that is why it was probably my favorite, because I'm just like, look at Sherry, she's, like, she's, like, fighting there with the boy, with the boys, she didn't care, she was so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fair, and she got pretty involved in the match. She got leveled <laughs> at and, one point. <laughs> and it was it was a very strange match. Like it was it was supposed to be, you know, like a, a no DQ Texas uh tornado tag match. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And so okay, so it starts normal enough, they're in the ring and then they Well they... the Harlem Harlem Heat comes out from the opposite the side. Yeah. Sherry comes down with the titles and everyone's just like, what is happening? Like, where's Harlem Heat? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And then, yeah, Harlem Heat totally just get, gets the surprise attack to start the, the fight. Yeah. And then we get them in... Uh, they, they make their way sort of back towards the entrance area where inexplicably there's... There's a concession stand set up. Right. Now, not, not a very like normal concession stand. It's there there are a couple flimsy. things I want to I want to note about this. Okay. First, this is a throwback to what can only be called the concession stand brawls of Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay. Which is appropriate because this is where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right. This is something that occurred like in the late seventies and eighties. Okay. These were these were kind of the the beginnings of hardcore wrestling, right? So this is something that that was uh, kind of prominent in that area were concession stand brawls, right? Uh, I think uh, Jim Cornette actually has an article up about it. Okay. All right, and so the idea is that you know you have people just and it's just that's what it's supposed to be it's just supposed to be crazy and over the top and there's all kinds of stuff going on with because you're back there fighting in the concession stand and i mean this is kind of what happens but this is this isn't just a concession stand this is very clearly a concession stand that they set up just for this match right yeah no it's it's so flimsy and it's just like i think the one concession stand actually just like falls apart at some point yeah <laughs> and there's there's mustard and punch and just cotton candy and all kinds of stuff everywhere and it does i mean I, I give them props for what they were trying to build but like anybody who's watching this is just like no this this was set up just so they could tear it apart right right and the the other thing about it is like i think at some point sherry's top gets ripped off oh really i don't remember that <laughs> I, I mean not to the point where she's on camera or anything okay but there's a point where I think it's 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 really hard to tell. 
it's it's Jerry Sags and, and one of one of Harlem Heat, and they're brawling, right? And they're all covered in food and 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 garbage and everything, and they're in that area where all the punch is spilled on the floor, so it's really slippery. And, and guys, if you go back and watch this match, you're gonna see four grown men slipping and falling on on their on their butts like nothing else. Right. Yeah. No, it's great. <laughs> so there's this point where like those two are brawling, and Sherry comes in to try to get involved, and Sags like rips at what would be the left like the left breast area of her top okay and i think he i think he maybe exposes her because right as he does that there's like this huge pop from that area of the Uh... crowd specifically (laughs) we don't actually see anything right i'm not saying this to like get anybody worked up or anything i just think that's what happened it's very possible especially given the this type of clothing and stuff that she would have been wearing. Yeah. And she's like for the rest uh, for the next couple minutes of the match we don't see her from the front like at all. Mhm. And I I think at some point she's seen kind of adjusting her top, so I think maybe that might have happened. That um, seems plausible. Then the whole match it, like they're just brawling and fighting and all I mean what's what's now garbage. Mhm. And during the match, like, when they're back there battling in the concession stands, there's a couple points where, where Tony and uh, Heenan are talking about, like, funnel cakes. Like, man, just wait until they get into the funnel cakes. And, all the, and it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. <laughs> there are no, like, I just keep hearing this, and I'm just like, there are no fryers back there, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's all, like, prepackaged goods. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's nothing that you can that can burn you. Right, right. So, then the match ends, but it's like, again, there's there's very little impact to it because the, the finish isn't even on camera. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But the nasty boys win. The nasty boys win. So that happened. That happens. And Sherry was there the whole time. The whole time. It was like, kind of like New Day. <laughs> are, are you saying Sherry. that Xavier Woods is the sensational Sherry <laughs> to the to uh, to Kofi Kingston and Big E's Harlem Heat? It. I mean, if you really think about it, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He, he he's there sexy mouthpiece <laughs> comes out scantily clad just says a few things sometimes he gets in on the fight sometimes not okay yeah I mean I, I, could, I could I can see where Xavier Woods is handsome <laughs> I can see that alright alright <laughs> I mean I feel like out of the three he's probably the handsomest Oh, no. Kofi. Really? So, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not saying Kofi's bad looking or anything. I just, I, I think Xavier is, is better looking than Kofi. I think he's I think got Xavier's more... prettier, but Kofi okay. is more handsome. Okay. If you can dig that. Like, okay. if you put Xavier in drag, he would be gorgeous. 
Yeah, no, I could I could see that. And let's, <laughs> let's give credit let's give credit where credit is due for Xavier Woods having one of the best lines in any promo ever, and that is the roof is not my son, but I will raise it. <laughs> Xavier Woods gives me life. There you, you go. guys. <laughs> if if you get the chance, I, I highly if you're a nerd like me, I cannot encourage you enough to go back and watch his his NXT matches where he's wearing tights that say over 9,000. He's billed from Angel Grove, California and specializing in hip-hop keto where he was trained by uh, Zach from Power Rangers. Yeah, he, he's love, pretty awesome. I, I love Xavier Woods. I like... Guys. Okay, I don't want to get into it now. We'll get into it another time. <laughs> but I was going to go on a, a tirade about pro street fighter like pro gamers and 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 him and uh i'm blanking on names i'm just gonna move on up up move down on. no no like uh an actual oh, okay. uh tournament for street okay. fighter it was him and uh and why am i blanking omega there we go because there's the one tournament every year like you, you for, for Street Fighter, and they, it's always kind of, like, wrestling-themed. Like, they play Street Fighter inside of a wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. And they, okay. all the, the, the pro, like, gamers have, like, entrances. Mm-hmm. And at this particular one, Xavier Woods was there, and Omega was there, and he, like, like, this was literally my introduction to Omega as existing, and it was, like, Xavier Woods and him, like, cutting promos and stuff and then playing Street Fighter. So it was awesome. <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we, we, we still gotta talk about this uh, strap match here. Strap match in quotes. <sighs> God. Another... I'm, just, I'm so hesitant to call this a strap match because it's like, the one rule of a strap match is that you're strapped together, you guys. Okay, and... The, the finish has to be... Okay, so it's it's Hogan, Vader, strapped together. One or the other of them has to take them four corners while and they're so, strapped together. And that's yeah, how you so, win. Yeah, that's how you win, you guys. This is the rules of the strap match. So And keep in mind, board. it's Hogan versus Vader. <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be important, believe me. So the whole goal, you know, building on, on what Leith is talking about, the whole goal is... Each opponent is strapped to each other, right? They have the big, long leather strap or chain or rope or whatever it is. Strapped together, tied together at the wrist. And you have to drag your opponent around the ring, touching each of the four turnbuckles in succession. And, yeah, I mean, your build opponent, the person you're actually fighting. Yes. That's that's usually the key to winning a, a match is to beat the person you're in the match with. Just yes. just saying. <laughs> Generally, I mean, again, that's that's like the one rule of a match. And this this whole match was so overbooked. You had masked men coming in, and it was like Arn Anderson, but it wasn't Arn Anderson the second time. And then it's just ridiculous amounts of people just trying to like assist. Like Jimmy Hart tries to like help Hogan. He like comes okay, in out of nowhere. So let's let's talk about the build up for this match. Oh jeez. 
because this this is real important for the context. So we have during the month of March, after after the Super Brawl debacle, the whole month of March, mm-hmm. Hogan realizes Vader has has flair in his corner. Yes. What am I gonna do? So he decides, well, I'm gonna get a surprise, but not just any surprise, not a regular surprise, not not a great surprise, the ultimate surprise. And this is teased for the weeks in March. Like, what is the ultimate surprise? Who is the ultimate surprise? Mm-hmm. And and the rumor is, and again, this is this is coming from uh, Conrad and uh, and Shivani. The rumor was that it was supposed to be uh, the uh, the Road Warriors. Okay. Right. Even though they were being billed as the ultimate surprise, and we're going to get into that. Even though they were being billed as the ultimate surprise, the the goal was they would be the Road Warriors. Right. And this would set the stage post uncensored for Hogan and the Road Warriors versus a new incarnation of the Four Horsemen that Flair was uh, pitching. Okay. Now, this new incarnation of the Four Horsemen during this time uh, was rumored to have been Flair and Arn Anderson, hence Anderson's uh, involvement in this match. Right. Uh, despite, you know, his, his actual relationship with Flair and everything. But uh, you would have Vader, uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Steve Austin. Wow. Stunning Steve? Yes. Who is back? And, we I don't think we mentioned that. He, he came back at some point before. Yes, yeah, that's actually the week following. A week following, okay. He's, he's in a tag match with Arn Anderson. Oh, okay. But this doesn't happen. The right. Warriors are booked that same night elsewhere. And so somebody gets the bright idea of, well, there's this renegade TV show. And I don't know. He keeps saying ultimate surprise. Hmm. Hmm. I know. Let's rip off the ultimate warrior. Oh, okay. I was wondering why, like, renegade looked like ultimate warrior. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, Rick Wilson, and this is this is something they talked about, like, on the show. Rick Wilson, the, the wrestler who was Renegade, mm-hmm. uh, started his career out uh, dancing and doing some other things and, and bodyguarding, et cetera. You know how a lot of people get their start around this time. And uh, he starts getting into wrestling a little bit, and somebody kind of notes, like, hey, you look a lot like the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. And really early in his career when he's uh you know uh wrestling and everything they're even talking to him and being like it, one of it one of his early promoters and, and friends and everything is like you know you look a lot like the ultimate warrior but we shouldn't use that as your gift right because people are just gonna rip like rip on you for it and call you knockoff and, and all this other stuff so we we should stay away from that so instead what does he do? He uses some kind of like uh, Rio Lord of the Jungle kind of like Tarzan gimmick. Okay. But when they're, you know, booking uncensored and doing all this, they decide no, he he absolutely needs to be the Ultimate Warrior. Right. And they Which sign he... him for a pretty hefty like annual paycheck too. So what? I mean, what was he gonna do? Say no? Yeah. True. And so that's what they built his gimmick around was like he 
looks like the ultimate warrior. So he comes down during the match and does a lot of the warrior mannerisms from the way he runs to the ring, the music, the face paint, etc. cetera. Uh, they were even going to uh, uh, call him the renegade warrior, and that's actually visible on his tights. Oh, but, I didn't notice that. Yeah, WWF sends them a cease and desist over that. So okay. they just call him the renegade. Gotcha. He, he, it's not it's not Renegade Warrior on the tights, but it says like RW, and they fought for that, saying, "Well, like, well, no, his name is Rick Wilson, so he can use that." Yeah, that's nice, nice job. <laughs> yeah, so he, he comes down and he does the warrior thing. He's no selling to Flair the whole time, you know. He's 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 built up as this big deal, right? And, and, I mean, the crowd even pops for him really early in the match when he comes down because everybody thinks it's the ultimate warrior. Oh, yeah. I didn't even, I like, mean, get that. <laughs> you're 40 to 50 feet away from this guy. It's smoky. It's night. It's it's an arena. Like, yeah, no, that's that's totally the ultimate warrior. What are you talking about? Right. Uh, it's sad. That's... Yeah, that's pretty tricksy. <laughs> I'm sure he... he didn't love that comparison all the time either. Yeah, and, and I mean I, the story of Rick Wilson is a sad one. It is. It is very sad. And, and I mean truly like I can't I can't blame him for again taking this opportunity because who wouldn't? Right. You're getting promised, I think he was promised something in the range of like 10000 a year or 15000 a year, or, or something along those lines. That's that's big money. And, and I just, I, I feel really bad for, for what would happen to Rick Wilson, because he he didn't deserve that. Right, no. Uh, from from hearing uh, Shivani talk about him, he was a, he was a real good kid, did mm-hmm. everything that was asked of him, a real quiet kid, kind of kept to himself. And that's just, that's, that's real unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so... We get, you know, like like you said, it's it's overbooked. Hogan and Vader can't even stick to the basics of a strap match. No, they're constantly coming undone. Oh, the the Vader splash! Oh my god, the see? one he misses. Oh, it's so bad. He just does like a slow motion somersault. Yeah. Onto a chair, but like it's, it's not. Such... It's not even that he like misses it. It was like it was done purposely to hit that spot so he would hit the chair, but it looked so bad it, it's so <laughs> bad and it's it's such a weird thing for for this to be set up this way so so vader's dragging basically an unconscious hogan around the ring mm-hmm. he has hit three of the four turnbuckles flares there he's cheering him on come on man you can do this and then he's like wait hit him with the vader splash before you hit the fourth one <laughs> <laughs> And it, oh, God, I, 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 I guess I gotta. Right. Oh and then gosh. we get, you know, like you said, we get Arn Anderson coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, black, uh, what can only be described as a black scorpion outfit, just the black mask, the black trunks, the black uh, uh, long sleeve, like, sweatshirt. Right. Uh, and, and through the whole pay-per-view, everybody's been wondering where Jimmy Hart has been. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, yeah, he was, Jimmy like, Hart. missing. He's been missing. Yeah, and then he comes out, and he's all, you know, his, there's tape on his wrists and feet, and he's all 
all of his clothes are ripped and he's just you can tell he's he's been through some hard times daddy yep so they the the idea was that that flair and anderson kidnapped uh jimmy hart mm-hmm. upped him up but he, he makes it down to ringside, him and Renegade are there cheering Hogan on, and then we get, uh, you know, uh, the masked man comes down, and he starts hitting people with chairs, and then he disappears, and then Hogan, you know, he it, Vader is preoccupied with something or other, he's kind of knocked unconscious, I think, yeah, at this something point. something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, Hogan pulls him right into the turnbuckles, like, outside. Uh-huh. And it supposedly knocks him unconscious, but again, it's a really bad spot. And like so Hogan's like, well, Flair's here. I've, I, I guess I'll drag him around the ring. Yeah, that's he, so, so dumb. Yeah. He drags Flair around the ring, Look. which gets him the win in in this universe. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, he unties himself from Vader ties the strap to Flair instead, does the, the four ring post with Flair, and the bell rings, and but they're still fighting, and yeah. and the masked man comes down again, and they're like, oh, it's Arn, but it actually isn't, it's Macho Man. Is like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, my, my, my ending note is, Hogan wins somehow. Yeah. Hogan I guess. wins somehow. That's a that's a really <laughs> great way to sum up his career in WCW. And, and pretty much his career in general. Yeah. Like uh, Hogan, he's Hogan. He wins. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah I I the, well I guess I mean it's uncensored. There's no rules. It's uncensored. There, the the only rule that counts is the DQ rule in that Macho Man match. The other rules don't. So yeah. that, that's why he could get away with it. I don't know. <laughs> like made <Yeah>. no sense. <laughs> so let's let's kind of move on to the last week of WCW. Uh, the the highlight of that is you know Steve Austin loses a tag team match with Arn Anderson. He's facing I think uh, Johnny B. Bad. Let's see here, Johnny B. Bad and Alex Wright, but he cuts a decent promo after, mm-hmm. and that was that was a, a pretty pretty good uh, end to yeah. March of 1995. And again, it's kinda... it's very interesting that WCW had a lot of young talent that they just they didn't know how to use. And I think I mean you would see guys like Austin and and Rhodes and uh, you know Triple H. Yeah, I think I think the big issue with them at this point is they didn't know how to build that talent. Yeah. They had them, they just weren't sure how to, like, use them to become the next, like, Hogan or the next, you know what I mean? Like, they just couldn't figure that part out. They were relying a lot on the names that had been built in the 80s. Yes. You know, Hogan, Savage, Flair, uh, Avalanche... Uh, to a lesser degree, Sting. And the thing is, the thing that gets me so bad with this is when the, when you have, like, like you constantly see, like, Sting, Hogan, and Macho Man together, working together, they're, they're like, supposed to be friends, but yeah. whenever Sting comes out, his pop is, like, 
ten times that of the other two. Yeah. Like, it, how did they it, not know what a big star Sting was at this point? Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, his, I've not heard the WCW crowd pop bigger than they pop for Sting. And, it, and it's such a shame that Sting... I don't, I don't know if it was conscious or not, but it's kind of a shame that Sting didn't see the writing on the wall at this point. Yeah. Like, the fact that Hogan's getting out of TV tapings and, and et cetera, and I mean, this was, this was the price of, of doing business with Hogan for WCW, Hogan and Savage, was that these guys were getting creative control, and that meant they could do things like this. Yeah, and I mean, but, like, like, Hogan just, he takes everything above and beyond, because he's just like, yeah. he's barely been on TV at this point. Yeah. Like, I think we see Brock Lesnar more now than we see Hogan in WCW at this point. I, I I would argue against that just because even though he's not on TV as much, he's still at least working every pay-per-view. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's fine <laughs> wcw also did something and we're gonna we're gonna get into the kind of news section of this in just a moment but wcw did something else kind of interesting with this uh with this event so because hogan was on the event the mm-hmm. price jumped from like 25 uh 25 50 to 27 50 okay that's if you pre-ordered it the day of, if you waited until the day of to order this, it was an extra $5 on top of that. Oh, wow. And that just seems like a really, I don't know, a really weird thing to do. Because, I mean, if if people are going to pay, say, thirty two fifty for the event, why not just charge thirty two fifty right outright? Well, I guess it was one of those, like, there might have been something if they got so many pre-orders or whatever yeah. like they needed that to kind of make it worthwhile for them to do this pay-per-view at all <laughs> I, w- I would yeah. imagine that it had something to do with trying to like cover the costs and all that kind of stuff so let's let's talk about let's let's kind of jump into the news okay so we talked a little bit about some of this news on the last show, because that's kind of the way we've been doing this, kind of doing a little bit of a lead-in to the following month with some of the news. Mm-hmm. So this is from the March uh, 7th Wrestling Observer. This is uh, just some of the highlights here. Business-wise, so far, the Vader-Hogan feud has the potential to be the most successful in WCW's history so far. The buy rate for Super Brawl is reportedly just below the record-setting buy rates that the Hogan-Flair angle did, and the live attendance to the show was the biggest in the company's history. Now, Hogan and Vader have since worked a few house shows and are doing big business on those, too. The numbers are even with or maybe only slightly below what the WWF does on a regular basis. That, That being said, all of the matches are pretty much ending in DQ because neither man will do the job, and I think, again, that's kind of... Uh, a hint at what a larger problem in WCW was. You know, when we talk about this, that that giving someone like Hogan creative control means that you're going to run into this. Yeah. And you're going to run into situations where feuds and, and big matches aren't going to have the definitive moments that, that maybe they should. Right. And again, it's it's kind of at the cost of all this younger talent because you're relying on all of these 
big already established names from the 80s but you have no idea how to build and book your new talent exactly so we have that that's one of the uh one of the big notes uh dave says the rumors of lawrence taylor's payoff is uh five hundred thousand dollars to work wrestlemania that those rumors are false I'm not sure there's ever been a definitive uh, statement on what his payoff for that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Jake Roberts announced that he retired from wrestling. Even though we know that's not going to be the case. Right. Uh, poor Sabu. Everybody retires. I yeah. swear. It's like, the, it's the thing to do in wrestling. You hit a certain age, you're like, I'm retired. And then they take like a year off, maybe, and then they come back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sabu uh, got sprayed in the face with mace at an event. Oh. Uh, wasn't it wasn't an angle or anything? A fan just straight up sprayed him in the face with mace. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising to be yeah. honest. But uh, still, Toys it's R- horrible. Toys R Us decided that they were not going to carry any WWF or WCW merchandise at all due to outside pressures uh, from the continuing scandals. Right. Uh, Bret Hart appeared on the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And uh, Shane Douglas reportedly did a tryout for the WWF uh, doing color commentary. Okay. Again, we would also get uh, Steve Mongo McMichael on commentary uh, during this month, which uh, would be uh, sort of a a prelude to his work with WCW. Uh, I think that's really all we have as far as, like, the first week moving on to... uh, to talk about say for example the uh second week i mean we also had uh eddie gilbert passing away right Uh, so that was another big thing uh we have uh let's see here uh wwf has taken wcw's bait and decided to also add four new pay-per-views to their schedule this year bringing their schedules up to nine pay-per-view events equal with WCW. The additional, and this is where I think the WWF was smart at this time, the additional WWF pay-per-views will actually be cheaper than usual, only $14.95. This would be, uh, this would, what would uh, be the in-your-house events. Okay, okay. Uh, Didn't they give away a house at one point? Huh? Didn't they give away a house at one point? It was like that a vacation was for the home. Very first one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we'll, watching we'll that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> we get to the, that's a thing. Uh, and the house Eric was so Shaw, cheap. <laughs> I know. I can't believe they gave away a, a house, a real house. And it's like, compared to prices like nowadays, like it was like a mansion. Yeah. Like in like Florida or whatever, and like in the it was like a hundred and fifty thousand, and I'm like. I couldn't buy, like, a normal house for that year. <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous. So, uh, Eric Bischoff was meeting with K1 in Japan. He discussed uh, promoting a June pay-per-view event, which would be, like, uh, UFC. Have a few more rules throw in and would feature K1 fighters and presumably some WCW stars. Interesting. Uh in SMW, I'm not sure what promotion that is. Uh, that might be Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, they're doing an angle with the Gangstas and D'Lo Brown, who will face Tracy Smothers, Bob Armstrong, and a mystery partner in a Salute the Flag match, where the losers have to salute the other team's flag. 
The gangsters have been parading around with a black Malcolm X flag, which they drape over their opponents after beating them. Team Smothers has a rebel flag, because of course. Right. The mystery partner was announced as The Undertaker on loan from the WWF. Oh. Uh, now that... Yeah, uh, kind of unfortunate. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not making excuses or anything. This was the deep south. Right, right, yeah. That I see that happening. Uh, very awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very, very awkward. Little, little uncomfortable. But I, I say that to say this: it sounds like what they were doing in Smoky Mountain would be, even though the gangsters would wind up in ECW. This, uh, and D'Lo Brown would, of course, wind up with the WWF. This sounds not unsimilar to the Nation of Domination. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tully Blanchard faced Shane Douglas at an ECW house show this week and didn't want to do the job to Douglas and instead wanted to do a DQ finish. Heyman is trying to build the company around real finishes, pinfall or submission, and wouldn't go for it. Uh, Blanchard finally agreed to be pinned but wasn't happy about it, and this might be his last appearance for ECW. Oh, see, I don't understand that. Like, why... You're at a point in your career where you're towards the end or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you if you love the business, why wouldn't you want to build the business by putting over the younger talent? Like when, when it's called for, when it fits, like that Mm. doesn't make any sense. Like it's just, it just comes across as arrogance and ego and all that. Absolutely. Uh, and then, uh, in this second week of March, this is where we hear about the, uh, possible reformation of the four horsemen. Uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson would definitely be in it, and Flair, I have to imagine, was pitching for this, because him and Hogan, uh, it, being where they were in WCW, and Flair being, uh, you know, in charge of so much booking himself in WCW behind the scenes at this point, they were both kind of pushing to recreate what worked for them in the 80s. Right. So, Flair and Anderson would be in it, with Steve Austin likely being the third member. As for the fourth member, names being tossed around are Vader, Dustin Rhodes, or possibly Tully Blanchard. I think Vader would have to be the most logical choice because of how much he was involved with Flair at this point. Right, of course. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Anything else? Uh... Jesse Ventura would file a new lawsuit against the WWF for $254,000 in interest on top of his original awarded payment from last year. Oh, wow. Uh, Let's see. uh, Both Shane Douglas and Michael Hayes received tryouts to co-host Raw, but Douglas reportedly doesn't want to do it, so Hayes is likely the frontrunner. I I find it kind of funny that, that Douglas was even looking into this or even being considered i mean he was a young talent why would you just want him to host and not not wrestle considering he had the ability he's too small for them yeah that might have been the case i mean back in this era like i mean even if you go into the newer era like they they still don't want small guys like they yeah. i mean look how hard it was for like daniel bryan to get a push yeah like if you're if you're under a certain height under a certain weight they don't want you i mean i think that's why they they recreated the cruiserweight division because they knew that there was interest in these smaller guys yeah 
but they didn't want them to hold actual titles or be the face of the company. So it's like an answer to that. It's like, oh, well, we'll have the cruiserweight division now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. Shane Douglas is almost a little too big for the what would be the cruiserweight division. True. He's like he's he's that weird in between sides because you got to remember. Yeah. When Jericho started with WWE, he was considered small. Yeah. And, like, Jericho's not that small. Even, like, Macho Man had to do full robes and everything because he was small. Yeah. He's he's in that kind of same class as somebody like CM Punk. Right. He's, like, he's in between, but he's still... Yeah. He he might have been a mid-carter, if anything. Yeah. And then the other two big pieces of news uh, during this second week, we have Davey Boy Smith being sued for $1.3 million over a fight in a Calgary Calgary bar back in 93. Uh, The victim claims Smith attacked him after he unknowingly danced with Smith's wife. The The victim suffered permanent brain damage in the attack after hitting his head on the floor and was hospitalized for over a month and still has significant loss of motor skills and speech. The criminal trial for the case is expected to go to court in June of 95, and this eventually becomes a pretty big deal. Uh, I never even heard about this until just now. Um, that's 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 a shame. I, I, I mean, look, I would not want to get into a fight with Davey Boy Smith. No. Yeah, no, so I that's that, that's uh, that's a real shame that something like that happened to that guy. And I, you know, I, I don't know if... Uh, how how that spun out i'm sure we'll we'll hear about that right as we uh as we go through uh the the months uh we then have the other big thing is the wcw hotline claiming that uh lex luther has given his notice to to the wwf okay uh now uh, Dave uh, Meltzer says that there's no truth to this, uh, but of course we we know a little bit better, right? Uh, you know, Luger again would wind up working with uh, the WWF. I don't know if I don't think he would have had to have given his notice at this time because it seems really odd that he would give his notice and they would be okay with him showing up the next night on on Nitro. But then again, they might not have known Nitro was going to be a thing. I. I've heard the stories of how it all played out, and I can't remember right now. Yeah. I think they do go into it a lot in the the documentaries that they have on the WWE Network. Yeah. With the, because I remember hearing the whole story of like how and they kind of set it up so that Luger would appear the next night without anybody knowing that he was going to be appearing the next night on Nitro. Yeah. Now I just sent you a picture on Twitter, and this is going to be important for what we're going to talk about for the third week of March. Okay. Uh, first, uh, the first of WWF's new pay-per-views will take place in May and will be called In Your Home, uh, according to the Wrestling Observer. Mm-hmm. Close, but no cigar. Uh, let's see. Uh, the WWF was planning to scale back house shows. Uh, WCW's planned UFC-type ripoff event that they were putting together with K1 in Japan has fallen apart. Due to cable deadlines, they won't be able to do it in June as planned, and now the next earliest date available would be June, or, uh, would be September. But that's considered unlikely to happen now. 
uh, Dallas wrestler John Hawk, or as we know him, JBL, will be debuting at a war show in Japan using the name Death Mask, okay. which will be a complete Undertaker ripoff gimmick, much like Brian Lee did in WWF the previous year. There's no video of it, but that picture I sent you in the chat yeah. on Twitter, that is him as Death Mask. Interesting. <laughs> it's it's very Taker. Yeah. Like That's obvious. I mean, there's no one else that they were trying to go for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we then have the Comfort Inn Hotel next to the airport in Philadelphia, uh, the long-standing unofficial hotel for ECW and ECW talent, uh, is uh, no longer uh, working with ECW. Uh, Todd Gordon had a pretty good relationship with the management there, but after a series of disturbances, the hotel is no longer working with ECW or allowing wrestlers to stay there. One can only imagine. Yeah especially in that era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sabu doesn't seem to be having luck with indie show crowds. After being maced by a fan a few weeks ago, another fan threw a brick at him uh, this week during a show. Jeez. What the heck? Yeah. Why Why people gotta be mean to Sabu? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, it's partially ECW's fault for allowing the fans to bring in weapons to hand to the wrestlers. And yeah. not expecting the fans to ever use them themselves. <laughs> so, uh, we we talked about Flair uh, being in charge of booking. Uh, there are some uh, highlights as far as news uh, about this goes. Uh, Flair was reportedly furious about the booking of the latest TV tapings and threatened to quit the company before cooler heads prevailed and everything was smoothed over. Meltzer isn't sure of the details, but it apparently had something to do with Hogan refusing to work the TV tapings, forcing them to rewrite some storylines. There were also issues with Savage, who wants the same power Hogan has to completely control his own storylines. And Flair, as Booker, is having to deal with all of these big egos that want to do their own thing rather than do what he books for them. So let's take a moment and think about Ric Flair having to be the voice of reason <laughs> and not the biggest ego in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, both Hogan and Flair, and we touched on this, want to recreate the 80s, but both men have a different vision of what that should be. Flair wants to redo things like the Four Horsemen and the Road Warriors, while Hogan wants to redo angles that worked for him, like Ultimate Warrior with indie wrestler Rick Wilson, a.k.a. Rio Lord of the Jungle, and Andre the Giant with Paul White. Meanwhile, the good younger stars like Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, and Dustin Rhodes are caught in the middle and pretty much ignored. Rio Lord of the Jungle is expected to be brought in soon under a new name as an Ultimate Warrior clone because the original is too expensive. Uh, let's see. The Dustin Rhodes Blacktop Bully match at WCW's Uncensored pay-per-view will be taped in advance and spliced into the show, and that's what it was. Uh, it was taped in. Uh, it was taped uh, a couple days earlier outside of Atlanta, Georgia. A little heck up there. Uh, this is something you touched on, on I think our first show. Uh, Paul Roma. Uh, was given notice that WCW is planning to release him and has been jobbed out on house shows ever since. Word is, Roman didn't want to put Alex Wright over at the last pay-per-view, and they weren't happy about that. Yeah, yeah. They're actually trying to do something with a younger talent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, WCW they love their Alex Wright. In... Sorry? So they love their Alex Wright. Yeah. And the ladies I mean, love him, or something. The ladies, 
the ladies love European techno and, and pelvic thrusts. Apparently. I mean, that, yeah. that was a big seller in 95. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, we we had uh, uh, WCW wanting to bring in Kurt Angle, or Kurt Angle, uh, Kurt Henning as a member of a future Four Horsemen stable. Henning's asking price was too high, though, uh. so they, they didn't do it. Uh, the Smoking Guns will face Owen Hart and a mystery partner at WrestleMania. No word on who it will be yet, but WWF reportedly wants to bring in Chris Benoit for it and immediately shoot Benoit and Owen to the top of the tag team division. But no word if Benoit will take the deal. Oh my God, can you imagine a tag team of Chris Benoit and Owen Hart? Yeah, I'm trying to like vision it. I was like, that would have been really cool. <laughs> oh... Yeah, that, that would have been great. And then... If, if we didn't know the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't saying, oh, because of that. I was saying, oh, because of the next piece of news I was reading. Oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha. So, everybody everybody, gear up. Uh, uh, get, your, get your popcorn out, because this is about to get salty. Oh, dear. DirecTV is offering a $49.95 special that gets you the upcoming WrestleMania 11. Plus, you can watch all 10 previous WrestleManias as well. That's actually a really good deal for $50. Yeah. WWF advertising for this package deal says, see Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan in their prime. Okay. The amount of shade. (laughs) The amount of shade being thrown. You know, before they got crappy and switched to WCW. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what they were saying. Very nice. And then the uh, last week of March 95, uh, Big uh, Big John Studd passed away. Uh, This was uh, very unfortunate. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Meltzer would go on to uh, recap his career. Uh, over the last month of his life, Stud had strongly gotten into religion due to uh, obvious reasons. Uh, the cancer and chemo reportedly destroyed his liver, and this time the doctors told him he only had a few weeks to live. Uh, this was uh, this was very sad. Uh, Stud was uh, a uh, pretty well-known user of human growth hormone. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be as big as Andre, and it unfortunately took a took a really big toll on his body, his knees especially. Uh, the uh, use of HGH may have accelerated the onset of his cancer. Right. Uh, so that's that, that's something that happened that last week. Uh, moving on, uh, WCW uncensored is in the books, or as Meltzer calls it, WCW should have been censored. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, they talk about basically everything you know we talked about uh, Dustin Rhodes, Blacktop Bully, and Road Agent Mike Graham were all fired by WCW because both Rhodes and Bully bladed during their match at the Uncensored pay-per-view, uh, which is now strictly against company policy Graham was fired because it was reportedly his idea and he even gave him the blades reportedly Dusty Rhodes may be heading out of the company too because he's upset over their decision to fire his son the match was taped prior to the pay-per-view and went 20 minutes. WCW edited it down to 13 minutes, and although blood was visible at times, all the bloodiest shots were edited out, and then the announcers never actually acknowledged the blood on the commentary. Uh, 
it became extremely controversial because just a few weeks earlier, Hogan bladed in a house show match with Vader, and because the uncensored pay-per-view was hyped as being more violent and adult-oriented. Many in WCW believe Rhodes, Bully, and Graham are being made scapegoats because WCW is under pressure to significantly cut their budget. It's expected that Rhodes will probably end up in WWF eventually, but no negotiations have taken place yet. Uh, Gene Okerlund missed Uncensored. He found a kidney donor and had to have uh, surgery. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Crush was fired by the WWF this week after being arrested on drug and gun charges in Hawaii. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, Crush, real name Brian Adams, was arrested after an eight-day investigation that started when authorities intercepted a package meant for him that contained 500 units of anabolic steroids. Uh, this is actually going to become important as we get through 95 and 96. Uh, let's see here. That's... Uh, that's pretty much the most of what we have except for, uh, let's see, uh, an interesting incident at the latest ECW house show. Uh, after a match, Sabu and manager Paul Heyman began challenging anyone to come out and face Sabu. Well, the crowd started chanting for a large 400-pound fan in the front row, and it picked up enough steam that it almost looked like the fan was going to jump the rail. Oh, wow. I mean, at 400 pounds, I, I can't imagine he's doing much jumping. Slow motion jumping. Yeah. Kind of lumbering uh, over the rail. <laughs> Sabu, and, and to a lesser degree, Heyman, were egging the fan on, but he was being held back by other wrestlers and Todd Gordon, who realized how bad of an idea that could be. Uh, after <laughs> everyone went back to the dressing room, Todd Gordon brought the fan into the ring and put him over with the crowd and gave him some free merchandise and uh, did everything to defuse the situation. Nice. Uh, Sabu was in the locker room and reportedly wanted to do a run-in on the fan, but was talked out of it. <laughs> I could totally picture that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a Phoenix TV station did a story about the Ultimate Warrior defaulting on his student loans. Uh, despite being quite rich, Warrior was interviewed by the news station this week and said he was tired of being harassed since the story aired and said he would repay the loans. Student loans, kids, are awful. Yes, they are. They are they are the worst. They are they are absolutely awful. Yep. Uh, let's see. One, two, three kids suffered his second concussion in the span of ten days at a Madison Square Garden show in a match with Hakushi. Uh, this uh, this concussion with one that he suffered last week was also against Takushi. Uh, Lawrence Taylor recently lost his job as a sport analyst on TNT in an ESPN interview this week. He claims he was fired because he was working WrestleMania in TNT is owned by Ted Turner. Oh. That's probably, that's probably what happened. Yeah, sounds it. So I think that's all we have to talk about as far as March of 1995. I think so. We talked so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, this has been a long show, but a fun show. Yes. <laughs> so, I think we can safely call it a show. And, Leith, where, you know, on that note, where can people find you on the internets? I'm, I'm still on Twitter, at Lane. It's P-A-R-I-A-H underscore L-A-Y-N-E. I'm sure if you search Leith Gray, you'll find me as well. Absolutely. 
Um, uh. that that's pretty much where I lived. <laughs> it, it's kind of my home. <laughs> And it wasn't given to you by the WWF. No, I I would love to have won that house. I wonder right? if it's still there. Like, if does it still exist? Do the people still own it? I I think when we get to that, we'll talk about it. I'm gonna do some research. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Space King Bobby. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, that's uh, at wrestling time machine the actual uh, twitter handle is spelled uh a little different it's uh wtm podcast but the twitter handle is wrestle it's like w-r-e-s-t-l tim t-i-m mock m-a-c-h uh, so you can follow us on twitter we post there you can also follow uh, nerd fix strangers uh, the podcast were an offshoot of at NF Strangers on Twitter and follow the Wrestling Time Machine column that I'm putting up on the Nerdfix Strangers website, nerdfixstrangers.com. And I made a promise to myself that I was going to plug this this time because I've forgotten on the first two shows that we did. If you're listening to this, you should also check out my wife's business, EvetteMakesThings.com. We have all kinds of cool, nerdy things, including Wrestle Buddies, guys homemade wrestlers uh we've got a couple of them right now hulk hogan uh well hollywood hogan uh roddy piper rick flair steve austin bret hart undertaker kane uh we've got those and we're going to be doing more after the new year as well as like nerdy badges you know sailor moon and the sailor scouts my little pony uh, uh comic badges gravity falls that sort of thing and we also have uh, we have jewelry, dream catchers, earrings, all sorts of really cool things. So follow Yvette Makes Things uh, at, at her website, YvetteMakesThings.com. You can follow that on Facebook and Twitter as well. And we also uh, do commissions. So so check that out, uh, please. And uh, I hope you guys have, have enjoyed this. I hope you're enjoying listening to this as, as much as we are talking about this. And you can be a part of the show. You can... Uh, Email us at wrestling time machine podcast at gmail.com and we will read your email live on the air. And as of right now, we're three shows in, you guys, and we haven't gotten any emails. So, you know, let us know. I mean, we don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, say April of 95, what we're going to do next. You can tell us what you're watching or how you got into wrestling or what, uh, you know, Leith asked this question on Twitter. If you were going to be a wrestler, what would your gimmick be? You know, we'll talk about that kind of stuff because we love wrestling. <laughs> and True. we want this And we to... will talk forever. <laughs> Absolutely. We want this to be a show that, that you can participate in and be a part of. So so hit us up at WrestlingTimeMachinePodcast at gmail.com and we will read your email live on the air. And that said, I think it's been a show. Leah, as always, it's been a pleasure. And have a good night, and happy holidays, guys. Yep, see you later.